Previously on AFTN. The reserve team, uh, Santiago Solari, will take over for now, but Antonio Conte is in talks. Yes. But he's apparently he's asking for too much money, what the word is, so we'll see what happens. I there. never liked Solari as a player. Do you remember him? No. Yeah, I never liked him as a player. And uh, don't know him anything as a dude. Well, you know what? If you don't like him, I don't like him. <laughs> so, wait, some- wait, is that true? <laughs> your friend is our friend, your enemy is our enemy. Yeah. Thanks, um, thanks guys. Like that. Uh, we gotta uh, stick together. It, it, we can't have a divided. Works in uh, reverse as well. We, yeah, we can't, we have, can't a have a divided <laughs> podcast. No. All my enemies are also your enemies. I'll give you the list. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on one hundred one point nine FM CITR Radio from the University of Beautiful British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to this show in the podcast, this is episode three hundred and eight. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I feel I have spent my entire week up here at UBC. I should just bring a bed up and just sleep here, I think. it's you, They have dorms for that, right? Yeah. You always speak of them. I know. I haven't got inside them yet, but who knows what will happen. <laughs> Wait, what? I just want to see all our posters on the wall. Oh, right. Alfonso Davies on one wall, Kurt Cobain on another wall, Zachary Meisenheimer should, on a third wall. <laughs> you should do um, You should do some advertising on campus. We could put up some posters. Hmm. Get, the, get out and about, hand out I, some well, I, don't what the, I don't know what the places are they call them, but you know. Where, where the hip kids Where hang everyone out. hangs out, yeah. yeah. But in the dorms, I'm sure there must be like communal areas that. Yeah. I'll, the bathrooms here, we you know, we see those signs always in the bathroom. Yeah, I still miss Jordan Harvey's picture up <laughs> in the in the bathroom here. Pushing Russell Tybert along in a shopping, <laughs> the shopping trolley. Cart. Must dig out my picture of that and we'll, we'll tweet that out. But enough of our nonsense. We have a lot to get through this week because, I mean, basically... There's only really one big news story this week. I think we all know what it is. National Championships at UBC. Not the big news story. Big news story. East Fife get their first (laughs) win over Wraith Rovers in over 30 years. 90th minute winner. Chaos ensues. Our goalkeeper gets sent off for going over to the Wraith Rovers fans and telling them, giving them a few gestures. Fights break out in the Wraith Rovers end between the stewards. Wraith Rovers coach gets manhandled and gets sent off for reacting to it. More fans get kicked out and arrested by the police. 
That's a five derby for you. Do, uh, Steve, I think that's enough for us to talk about the whole show. Sure. Let's, let's just spend off. time. Let's yeah. spend all night talking about it. I retweeted the video, so definitely check all that. Oh, out. I'll have to check that out. A guy in the Wraith Rovers then picks up a chair and tries to throw it. Where he got the chair from? No one knows. Wraith Rovers, I think uh, we've talked about this maybe years ago, but Wraith Rovers, didn't Byron play them in 1996 U- uh, UEFA Cup? They did. Yes. Sadly. Klinsman had a field yes, day. Yes. It was a, a dark day in East Fifeland. <laughs> Yes, the lino-lickers, as we refer to them, because they used to make linoleum in Kirkcaldy, where they're from, so they get the nickname the lino-lickers. Too much adhesive, that's what I think it is. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, I, I'm cock-a-hoop. Yes. You can see it. One big story apart from that this week, though, over in the, this part of the land, the Mark DeSantis era has begun in Vancouver. I, I don't think anyone saw it coming, but he's here now. His appointment seems to have captured the imagination of many. He's talked about how he wants to play. He wants to play more attractive position-based football. He's all for having vertical players, which for me is good because too many of our players were a little bit horizontal this year and I didn't really like that. But the appointment does initially at least seem to have won a few people over. You guys happy with the appointment and what you've heard from him so far? Um, I am a little happy. Yeah, I I, I think a it was a, 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 a was a pos- definitely a positive uh, press conference, especially when he spoke. Um, and he he said the right things. I've been seduced by other coaches before <laughs> on the first day. Of oh, wait, what? <laughs> okay, right. For, forget yeah. all this stuff we're going to talk about. Martin Santos. Not <laughs> not, not a, or seduced you. By, by their words. By their words. Tommy uh, Sohn? Uh No, definitely not. <laughs> that was. I, wait, that was that's because that he doesn't talk anymore. That was a mistake I called before he even got hired, <laughs> or when he got hired. Uh, yeah, He's got a picture in my head now. But you get you get you get the everybody who comes in new has a, uh, you know a, a, it looks fresh and everything like yeah. that. So I always I went into a little skepticism. Well, they like to lose the media. And the fans and get them on yeah. the side right away. But I, I think like especially um, uh, more of the times when we weren't recording, um, you see you saw the authentic side of him a little bit, and then you you got you, you get you get a little bit more positivity that way. Yeah. The, 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 what about you, Zach? I mean, what did you make of the press conference from afar? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it it feels like deja vu to be honest. Like if for for the, for the Vancouver Whitecaps, it feels like. This is like the third roll of the dice. It's the third time in a row they're bringing in uh, a younger coach. Perhaps this one has more experience than the last two, or it's fair to say this one has more experience than the last two, but a young coach who does not have a lot of MLS experience or limited MLS experience, and um, and it's someone who it's kind of like a, a win-win, right? If uh, If – for that, the for the front office and the owners, he's not one of the Chinese head coaches that they they interviewed in it, their their global search. Maybe um, it's a win. It's a win if he does well because then they look good, and it's if if he doesn't do well, then they can just say, oh yeah, well he didn't have quite enough MLS experience, and you know whatever we'll move on to to the next thing. So in that that sense, it's I feel it felt like a little bit of deja vu. Like here's someone who it's it's. Uh, it's low, low risk and potent, uh, and high potential kind of kind of thing, and so um, there's that. I, I, obviously, we don't have to talk about this a lot, but the six one is still is still irksome. I wasn't going to talk it, about it, that at all. It was really it was really funny how the how the Whitecaps again. I would feel they addressed or, or, it quickly. They they got Jeff Mallet to address it. Yes, which I think and was then I asked very, a question about it. It was very smart of them. To like have have someone, one of their own people, put it out there as opposed to letting you or someone else ask about it. So, so I was all set. To, I still asked anyway. I yeah, 
I liked Mark's answer when I asked him, when you were going through that time, did you ever foresee yourself in Vancouver? Because, I mean, we didn't think he'd ever be here. I'm pretty sure he didn't think he was here. What did he, he, what did he say to you again? He, he, just, he said to his wife that he... He could have thought of all the places in MLS Unless, markets yeah. that he could have ended up. And this was the, and last, was the last one, Vancouver was yeah. probably the last place he would ever imagine ending up. But he's here now. Obviously, it was a long press conference, about 35, 40 minutes. We just want to play two minutes of little sound bites because we want to talk about some of the things that were said in this part. So just as a little refresher, let's hear a couple of the things that were said. It's been a good 10 years, but as I look for the next 10 years, um, uh, for me personally and sort of my perspective is uh, good is not good enough, uh, that it's time to, to uh, be great. It's time to, to, to take good to great. From my perspective, everyone here at the club, from, from uh, everyone involved, I believe Mark is a great hire. First of all, I'm blessed and I'm very, very honored to be the new head coach of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, it's a club that I've followed, I've seen grown, I, I competed a lot against, and it's a club that is very, very special in the structure and in the Canadian uh, soccer world. So I'm very proud to be here today. I, I just want to start working. For me, the important part is to look at the roster, to start building, to be on the field uh, with the players, to start developing a relationship with them, and I can't wait to start. So thank you again for the opportunity. As a coach, I have a, a dream of, of playing like today. Napoli of last season was a big reference for me as a coach, or teams like Liverpool that are objective, that, are, that go at the opponent, uh, Chelsea this year. So yes, I have references as a coach, but I think also coaching, coaching means how do you maximize the players you have. And I think that's important. So I'm not stubborn with a way of playing because you have to adapt sometimes because of recruit, how recruitment went or the roster you have. With Mark, he, uh, we're, as I said, we're shoulder to shoulder. We're uh, augmenting the team around here. Uh, and all of us, starting with me and Greg Kerfoot and everyone, are getting better at what we do. And it's, uh, it's an exciting period of time. And I'm literally turning the page to the next decade. Uh, I would certainly hope after eight years oh, that you man. are getting better at what you do. It's getting old. like uh, Not better? No, it's not getting better, man. Like, Mallet at the town hall this year. He sounded like he had all his talking points in order. Like he sounded far better. Like this, he did not. To me, he did not sound good. Like it, it, the whole "we've been good, good is that's not good enough anymore." It's just like, were you were you ever striving for excellence? Like I thought they were trying to be twenty five top twenty five club. That was the initial thing. Yeah, that's, you can't be good and be that. That is just a millstone around the neck. Those are words that you just wish had never come out of anyone's mouth because that's brought up constantly. Yeah, by, by a lot of people, journalists too, yes. former journalists. Now, Mark DeSantos, he's going to have had many offers. He was linked with San Jose. You do have to feel that if he had maybe bided his time to the end of the season, there would have been interest from other MLS clubs. I know a lot of Montreal fans kind of wanted him to come back to Montreal, or no. some on Twitter that I read. My, my understanding, though, is... Maybe the ultras didn't. No, not, no, 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 other... no, no, no. My understanding is not there. The, br- the brokenness is with Joey. Mm. So that's so not likely to go back. Yeah, 
Even I could be wrong, to. but that's my that's what my memory. That's how I remember it. What do you think it is though about the White Caps job that has proved so attractive to him? That's made him jump at this opportunity because he could have turned them down. It, it was available. It was in. It's in Canada. The Canada thing, I think, looms large. I th- I do think that. Uh, I think while we joke about it, I think the training facility is. One of the probably the best in I, MLS. I don't even joke about it. It's oh, okay. like when you speak to a lot of players. Because I don't players, know. Like, like we, we, we kid, oh, the training facility. Training yeah, facility. but no, like, like Kai Kamara came here and said that when he got a tour of the training facility, it convinced him this is the place he wanted to be. Yeah. And there's been some other players. Jordan Much, who's used to Premier League facilities, was blown away by the training facilities here. So that is a big selling point for players and I think for coaches as well it's, it's and Paul might poo-poo at us thinking it's only a training facility no, it, I, I agree with you it is important the location is still really not a good thing yeah and every coach I know you. I think you. one of the first questions you asked or well, somebody asked that why would you want to come here after what you saw last week a lot yes. of coaches especially the more confident coaches are going to have see that and think they're the ones that can fix this. Yeah, and he, he and, definitely, and, as we'll hear later on, feels that. And he doesn't lack confidence either. He is a very confident guy in in his abilities. I was just literally having this conversation with the Hammer tonight. I stopped by his place on the way over. But uh, we uh, we were we were talking about this, about one of the things that is is probably attractive about it is because – I mean, even even before the whole brouhaha of a week and a half ago or whatever, as a new coach, the the slate is even more clean with this Whitecaps team with only whatever ten players under contract, and you have some of them aren't coming back either. Well, yeah, yeah. well, ten under contract, and you have the you get to decide about the sixteen. Yes, and then the problem with this, the ten is that there's probably more than one you'd like to buy out or get yeah. rid of. But but still, most yeah. coaches come in. You got to wait a year, maybe two, to oh, get yeah. get rid of the got, quote unquote the dead weight and move in your own, bring in your own people. He's he's got a short off season, but he's got this whole off season now to work with it. And how much pressure though do you feel that is on him for immediate success? Folk have talked about what he's done with all these clubs. We've got some long suffering fans here that's patience has worn thin with this club. They are probably not wanting to see another experiment that's maybe going to take a couple of years to build things up. Do you feel the pressure is on him to, to go in, hit the ground running, and get this team right away challenging? It's the, it's if, if the, one of the good things is that the roster, there's a lot of... Um there's a lot of flexibility right now with you know building a roster for 2019. One of the things that is working against some Michael probably is the expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, as a coach, you'll probably you'll come out publicly say, "Oh, no, I thrive under pressure, and we want to get it right, and blah, whatever." But that is one of the things because if 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 they if if they if they don't make the playoffs, if Vancouver doesn't make the playoffs again next year, which is for them, they say their minimum target. Yeah. Uh, if they're not in that step one of what their target is, sure. Yeah, at least they've, they've stressed that oh, this year. No, actually, in no, the past, they're talking. Like, they're talking lots about the MLS championship yes. now. So that's another thing where their words maybe work against them. But well, that ties into Jeff Mallett saying he wants the club to go from good to great. I wouldn't say we're good. I th- would say we're fairly good. For me, I'd say we're average, well, just below average, but, like two point seven five. But I think here's a, uh, this is a totally different but, conversation but, where I think well, yeah. to be a football club that's that's great or, or striving for excellence is not always going to be a championship. No, and it's not always what's done on the pitch. But for me, right. most of the time, it is what is done on the pitch. Now, I, I know you're saying we're uh, average right now, but if you think of it, considering what was brought out about all the disharmony um, and the fact that they just 
the um you know the the, the wording that the the coaches were under uh, under fire during the season and everything they only finished three points out of a playoff oh, spot. Oh, no, totally. And, and if we'd made the playoffs, I I would say that we would be a good club because yeah. that would have been five of the eight years. Yeah, exactly. But four out of the eight years is just decidedly okay. average. Gotcha. And I mean, it, that's well, what it boils down to for making playoffs. And when you look at some of those years that you, your chances were, right? Like it is not. it was over 50% of your chance. And so when you only make half of them, you're, you're right, you're below average. Yeah. But the plus side, it did allow the Whitecaps to bring out their Make the Whitecaps Great Again hats. Any opportunity <laughs> to, to bring out new merchandise. No, but have you bought any of their fall gear? No, but I've, I'll quickly tell you this funny story because when this happened today, I, <laughs> I immediately thought of you. So we're at the Nationals Championship. It's the bronze medal game. There's 10 minutes left. The whole weekend, the whole four days, there's been no Whitecap stuff around. This big Whitecaps cruiser just comes into Thunderbird Stadium with 10 minutes of the bronze medal match to go, drives over the grass, blocks the view of the corner flag and the touchline so we can't see in the commentary. The fans can't see in the stadium stuff that's happening at that bit of the pitch. Fans are losing it and swearing at the people. <laughs> They're trying to get it to move. It's getting stuck. It was just like, hey, we're the Whitecaps. We're here. Forget all this college stuff. Is that what Corrigan would call Capsie? Well, I thought it was going to be like freebies they were handing out, but they had set up a shop to sell stuff. It was a very quiet shop, to be fair. There wasn't much business, I've got to say. But as soon as they did that, I thought, I would have loved to have seen your reaction when that happened. Anyway, back to other Whitecaps. Thank you for chat. sharing that. So... There's been a lot of talk about putting building blocks in place. You had it there for the next 10 years. What need... And they're talking about that if Marty Santos moves on, and he is an ambitious guy that has moved around a lot from he wins a championship or gets a championship, goes to another club. Does the same... Well, some of it club. wasn't his own choice. No. The some San of Francisco, it was, though. San Francisco one wasn't. That's the only one that really wasn't Let's put it this way. He's not, he's not the first Whitecaps coach I've heard say one day, like the coach Chelsea. Yeah. But, like... Over the next 10 years, what needs to change to be this great club and these building blocks? What what are you looking for? <laughs> I know Zach's answer. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I should have kept this for a part where we had more time. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go quickly. I think uh, um, a couple of things they've already kind of talked about in the main press conference, scouting. Uh, needs they, that needs to improve so they they get uh, like they said efficiency in their spending, um, and then also the bridge from uh, academy to uh, the first team that has to be way better than what it's been so yeah. far, and way more like you you've said in the past, more better integration. Yeah, way I, way better. I think Steve. Yeah, those are great. Those things. are the two for I, me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what needs to happen, Michael. I'm gonna say what I think. How the, what's gonna happen. What's going to happen is Mark DeSantis is going to come in. He's going to have his own style. They're going to say, look, we have a style and identity as a, as a club, which is only going to really cir- circulate or become from him. Yes. And then three, four, five years when he moves on, that'll be gone and they'll, they'll, they'll start over again. Unless they hire a coach and say, look, this is our identity. You have to stick with us. Yeah, which, which is going to limit your they, coaching search Which they haven't. Well. Which they haven't. So it's not no. going to happen with this coach. And well, I, you don't know. And I don't think they're going to. Things are s- changing. It's a reset. Remember? Can we, you you got to bleep that out. You got to bleep that out on, on on the podcast. So I asked Martin Santos during the press conference what was on his to-do list now. Like, what's his three main things? He said, get his assistants in place, talk to the current squad, and then start the search for the new talent to, to fill in the gaps, which is a lot to do in three short months. His assistants are obviously the first thing he's looking for. He knows who he's wanting. He knows who he's going to put in place. We know who he's not getting. We know who he's not getting. <laughs> 
His brother Philip is coming in. I thought he might come in as technical director. Sounds like he's going to be coming in as an assistant head coach. I also think he's going to have the two assistants. And yeah, I think he's looking for someone that's got MLS experience. Now, from something when he was asked that question in the press conference, he did mention about thinking about the club's history and it being Canadian and stuff like that, which to me kind of pointed fingers to someone like Mark Watson, who's got experience in San Jose, was interviewed, I believe, for the head coaching job as well, isn't really involved in coaching. And that would be an interesting dynamic, I think. And like, I mean, head coaching. Okay. It'd be an interesting dynamic to have DeSantos and and Watson. Whether they could work together, I don't know. But he knows the league as well. So that could be an interesting one. The goalkeeping coach, I've been told, has been appointed. But again, no one will actually give me what the name was. Uh, I was chatting to someone today about that. But it's exciting stuff. And who he puts in place is definitely going to shape the kind of style of management I think he's going to have. There's a lot of questions people want to know right now about Mark DeSantos. But obviously, does the one, most pressing yeah. one that everyone needs to know, does he fancy a chocolate digestive? So you're not part of the club until we do this with you. Okay, let's go. So you're sitting at home at night, Mark, yeah. and you decide to have a hot beverage of choice. Yeah. Do you have a tea, a coffee or something else? I have a, red, a glass of red wine. <laughs> Warm, warm, warm red wine? No, no, you're saying warm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, 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 no red warm red wine. Red wine. No, 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 no. If it's a night, if it's a night, it's definitely a tea and not coffee because I drink enough coffee during the day. And are you a biscuit fan? Kind of cookies? Uh, yeah. And what's your favorite? I try to stay away. What's your favorite cookie or biscuit? With with the cappuccino. With, Ooh, I, yeah. I love cappuccino. And with the cappuccino, is definitely the biscotti. And do you dunk? 100%. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? For me, if you dunk, you're in. Oh. And as I said there, you're not a part of the White Caps until you've had the chocolate digestive question. So, welcome to Vancouver, Mark DeSantos. How have you not asked like Bobby or Greg Anderson? Or... He was already here. Oh, okay. Any new additions? But it is the dawning of a new era, the Mark DeSantos era. Dosso. And we're going to talk a <laughs> lot more about Mark DeSantos, and we're going to bring you a lengthy chat we had with him this week. After this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting on 101.9 FM. The specials there, dawning of a new era. It is a dawning of a new era. The Mark DeSantos era. He spoke 
for, well, him and Jeff Mallet and Bob Lenarduzzi spoke for 40 minutes in the press conference. Yeah, 40, on, 45 on minutes, yeah. Did so much media afterwards, TSN, Sportsnet, loads of global stuff like that. Very grateful. We got to, to sit down with Mark at the end of all that. Yeah, we had to wait. I think we were the last ones. It was worth the wait. Yeah. I, I like to go last because then you get more time with him. We had a good 40-minute chat with him. 30 of which was on the record, a little bit before, a little bit after, that we were just chatting away as well. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, you talked about coaches seducing you. Yeah. I felt seduced. <laughs> no, and then... I was blown away. Russell Beresford had a, like a M, uh, like some kind of uh, analytics scale of... I can't oh, remember yes, what he was. Uh-huh. And, and I, I said I beforehand I was at a 7. I think I went up to an 8.5 or something like that after talking to him in... Uh, after the presser, no, it's not... Yeah, hearing. I mean, the, the reason that we're saying that and the reason that we're saying that we're blown away and stuff like that is the discussion we had, it, it felt just so genuine. But he went over tactics with us. He's We're sitting at the table, he's moving coffee cups about and water bottles, explaining how his team wants to play. He wanted to go and get a whiteboard to, to draw stuff up. And it just, it seems so genuine. It seems so exciting. He is so enthusiastic about the game. He loves the game. What he wants to do here and just get his beliefs and his all his ideas out there, it's very exciting. So we're going to split this chat into two parts. We're going to play part one just now, talk a little bit about it, then come back in part three with the second part of it. So let's hear now from new Whitecaps head coach, Mark DeSantos. First of all, Mark, welcome to Vancouver. I know it's been a pretty whirlwind couple of weeks for you. Right up to a couple of days ago, you probably didn't have any idea as to when you were even going to be coming in and officially taking the appointment. But obviously, LAFC's defeat to RSL kind of sped the whole process up, which everyone here in Vancouver is really pleased for. But how, how difficult was it for you going through this interview process, going through this hiring process, but still being involved with LAFC in an assistant coach's role and and having such a a big playoff campaign ahead of you. Bob just asked me, as long as you handle it well here, and my work never changed there. I was able to separate very well the interest in Vancouver and my job with LAFC. So a lot of people didn't even know that Vancouver was talking with me, many people, because I never showed it or shared it, mm-hmm. apart from the people that knew Bob and John, the Vancouver Whitecaps, and my wife. So, I mean, I asked you during the press conference here, like, coming to Vancouver, I mean, you've had such a varied coaching career, you've been all over the world... What is it that really appealed to you about here? Because I'm pretty sure you could have had a few other offers this yeah. off-season as well yeah. as head coach, maybe even in MLS. Yeah, probably. Probably if I would have waited, there was other opportunities that would show up. Uh, but there's a lot of things in Vancouver. One, it's, it was Canada. Uh, you know, and I don't want to seem uh, that I only coach Canadian. No, no. But I really want to impact the country. Uh, in a good way Uh, and I felt that there's a lot of things that are done for players but there's so much of coaching education that is done in uh, in in Canada 
but where do where do the best Canadian coach coach? You know, and I wanted to show that it's possible for Canadian coaches to reach the MLS level and to work through the low lower levels, go up and reach the MLS. And Vancouver was willing to give me that opportunity. Then uh, every time I came and saw the stadium on TV, there it's always a lot of people at the stadium. So I said, the people love this team. People like this team. And sometimes their frustration is because they want them to be so yeah. good. Uh, and then was the academy side and the training facility. I didn't want to go to a club that had not a good training facility, didn't have a good setup. Uh, their tr their academy is like uh, a lot of these MLS teams that have satellite clubs. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be in a place like that. I wanted to be in a place that I would impact also young players. I have the dream of seeing young players moving forward. And this has pretty much all of that when it comes to the structure. You've been successful everywhere that you've coached. You've won a USL championship with Montreal. You got to a championship game three years running in USL and NASL. Do you feel because of the success you've had, there's added pressure on you that fans here expect you to come in and immediately be successful? Maybe there is fans that think it's possible to do that. Uh, but I've been under pressure, I feel, all my life. I've never played at a high level. So I come from a level of maximum third division in Portugal, okay? Uh, maybe USL level. That was my level. And then every time I took a job, I knew that the only way that I would reach an MLS position was by winning. Uh, because when you're not an ex-player or if, if you don't have a big name as a ex -co or as a coach in Europe or as an ex-player, people don't give a lot of chances yeah. if, if you don't win. So I just felt the only, re the only way I, I can succeed and the only way that I arrived here was by winning in the past. Um, so I'm a winner by nature. And what I could promise fans is that I'm going to bring a winning mentality. I'm going to try to work on that every day, bring it in the locker room every day with players. Now, is that going to result right away into winning titles? Maybe yes, maybe no. But what, does, what that does is it creates foundations that with time, and if you stick to the process, it brings a winning uh, a winning mentality to the club and that's what I want to do if clubs expect me expect me to win I think that's good mm -hmm. because they hire a winner uh, I don't want to be in a club that expects me to lose or have a fan base that uh, marks the coach we're never going to do anything <laughs> no I want to bring hope to this club of course I want to do that now I know you said in the press conference, and we won't dwell on it too much, what, ha what played out here last week on, on Media Day, it was yeah. just so bizarre. Yeah. But as the coach coming in, when you're sitting watching that, did you think at any point, what am I coming into here? To be honest with you, no. I actually thought, and this is another good sign, that the club needs a coach with the leadership that's going to change that and bring another energy. So I'm not concerned by it. Uh, of course that I want to know everything about it. Of course I'm going to have meetings with all of the players that are under contract and the players that are staying here. 
But is that the, the incidents of the week uh, affect me? No, because Carl or whoever other coach that was here had have qualities that are very different than mine. So I'm not criticizing other coaches. A lot of good things were done here, other good things that were not done here. So for me to analyze and assess a coach, it's wrong. But I believe in my motivational and my leadership skills to to bring a new energy into that locker room. At at the end of the season, they talked, uh, Craig Dalrymple, a couple Mm -hmm. other players talked about how they they felt like there was a good core here Mm -hmm. um, and that they can build on. Do you feel the same way from, obviously you haven't studied the roster completely, uh, but do you feel that is the case or do you feel like it's going to be more of like a tearing it down and then to rebuild it? No, we can't do that because there's a there's an identity in this club that you can't just then fans don't don't connect with players you need you need to to create something where the fans are going to feel part of it and they're they, they're connecting with players so do i believe there's a good core yes but then i also believe in a identity of play that i want to bring here i'm very serious when i say that what's going to guide this club from now on is a certain model of play because if not, what happens is that if I leave tomorrow, another coach comes in, then the model changes again, and then the recruitment process changes again. You want a way of playing. You want people to say, hey, that team is Vancouver Whitecaps. The way they are, the way they play, the energy they bring. So for that to happen, you need a certain profile and identity of players. And that's going to be the assessment. We want a team that, okay, when we lose the ball, has a very aggressive and strong reaction to try to recover it. Do we have players in in there uh, that have the ability ability to do that? If so, who? Do we have a team that is a bunch of players that are vertical, that when we win the ball are aggressive looking for the goal? Okay, yeah, who are those players? So some of them are here. Others we have to recruit. So that's the way... I often give this example of how many people talk about eye pressure and yeah, yeah, let's press eye. So this is this is the field, okay? This is the central goal. This is one of the goals, and this is the other of the goal. This is the central line. If you want to press in this half, this means that your back four is here, and this means that there's 55, 60 yards between your goalkeeper and this line here because you want to press eye. So do you have? Four defenders or defenders in the roster that allow you to be as I, and when the ball's played in behind you, that the athletic capacity of turning, attacking that space, running with forwards. So when you're talking about recruiting, if you don't have a guideline with a model of play, you're just throwing in every direction. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. No. So there's players that are, could be very good in a club that plays in a, in a way X, and then we play in a way why so that player yeah is very good for you guys but maybe doesn't fit our model that's why what needs to guide this club is a clear model of play in my opinion I mean one of the things Stefan Marinovic said last week was he wants to be at a club that actually focuses on the defence and puts defence first Jeff talked about your you look at your track record and you have teams that don't give up a lot of goals uh-huh. How how do you balance though having a good defensive 
mm-hmm. and having possession and pressuring as well seems to work. I mean, what, what's the yeah, secret? That, it's that a very found? good question. Very, very good question. Because, and I'll I'll answer to you. I could I, you know, I would have showed you in a board, but I I would I'm gonna uh, answer like this. People say I pressure, I pressure. Yeah, but I pressure when, how, who, who are the references? You know, it's not only I press. So let's say us three were three forwards of the team. We're the three four. We play in a four three three. We're the three forwards, and you decide to press on you, and you go because you want to press. But us two, we didn't read what you read, and now we didn't go with you, and then they beat us, you know, through a play, and now we're by pressuring in a bad way. So first, um, what I coach a lot are references of pressure. When do we go collective, collectively? What is a moment for us to go? And that is clear in the locker room. That's what creates a culture. Players knowing, okay, in this moment, this is a reference. This, this is not. So I think that in the past, my teams have been just coached to read the right references to press very high. And when is it that you stay very compact and low? So that doesn't stretch the team. Imagine if you have now 11 players where two or three take decision individually because they think it's a moment of reference. The other seven are not sure. And now the team gets stretched and now you get, you get played in between and played, played on. Uh, you need, I, I want 11 players that in every moment of the defensive side, they say, that, this is a moment. No, now it's not. And that's what keeps the team uh, together. The squads which you've built over the years, obviously at Montreal and Ottawa, but even at Swope Park and in San Francisco, you've had a lot of Canadian players. Yeah. And you've spoken before, like you liked what they did in USL, that Canadians were domestics and yeah. you want to give Canadian players chances. Yes. Here, over the years, we've seen so many of our top Canadian talent just disappear. Yeah. They've not been given the opportunities. There's not been any integration. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look around the league and like... Kansas City, New York, Dallas, they have young guys on the bench. They maybe throw them on for five, ten minutes here yeah. and, and there. Is that something you maybe see yourself doing? Do you feel there just has to be better integration between the academy and between the first team? I, look, I don't know. It's not It's not fair for me to say it needs to to have a better integration because I don't know how Carl so I mean, integrate. How, how would you like but to But I think it, it's yeah. a very important that the head coach of this club is very, very connected with the academy, with Greg, with the coaches, with the players. The players of the academy need to feel that they have a real chance. So that is a huge level of factor of motivation. Then, yes, I always give the opportunities to Canadian because... There's a lot of good Canadian players, and I just felt that he's going to help me win. I, like I said in, in one of the questions, uh, if we hire from Central America or South America, I really don't care about yeah. that. I care about, is that player going to help the club succeed? And is that player a player that could help us maximize our model of play? You know, if he's from China, South Korea, Brazil, I don't really care about that. And I actually have worked with a big network all my life that if you look at the clubs I've been, the, 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 the players come from yeah. all over the place. I was having a look at your Deltas roster last yeah. night. And 
Like you had four Brazilians all on there, yeah. but you had so many from Haiti. And the France, four the four Holland. Brazilians was because I was able with a, a, a small smaller budget to get get the best players possible. Mm-hmm. And through my network in Brazil with clubs like Fluminense, I was able to get a player like Pablo Diego on yeah. loan. So yes, of course that the network allows you to go get uh, players. Uh, Brazil is an incredible market because they they have players in in all over the world. I I think one year they they made more money in in, in taxes in the government by selling players to uh, outside of Brazil than than the taxes on exportation of bananas. Whoa. Oh wow! And and wow. that that was impressive when I read that. And so for sure, a market like that or our Argentina is is very interesting because of the quality. But don't think I'm gonna be or I'm the type of guy that. I'm looking at the South Korean market today. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 asking questions of the market in China, so I'm not a close person, mm-hmm. and I'm a person that wants to bring the best players possible. If they're Canadian, well, better for everybody. Uh, but I want to find I want to find a, a fine line. Bring also players that are ready to play for the Whitecaps, and if they're very young, what do they need to be ready to play for 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 the Whitecaps? Besides the uh, technical side as well, the, nowadays it's very important how to how you manage players. Uh, it's not even just about, about playing time. It's how different players seem to need to be managed differently. Yes. You want what you do. Kind of want one rule for everybody, but yeah. it's not possible anymore because no. everybody's different. How important is that? And obviously, you speak many languages as well. Yeah. Is that going to be a big factor for yeah, you? Yeah, you either? spoke about that uh, first communication. You know, being clear with players. Uh, I have players telling me that some really like me because of that side of me. Others don't because I'm very honest, raw, and I always let players know where they're standing. You know, sometimes they don't like the news, but it helps them move forward at the end of the day. And I have a lot of examples in the past where I needed to to be like that with players, and then they became very good in what they did. Uh, I think one is uh, communication, being very clear. And two, take, taking care of the players that are not starting, taking care of the players that are, don't have as much minutes. Um, how much time do coaches spend with that? Uh, and I actually, I actually tend to spend more time with those players than the starting players. And then you live in a society that is different. You know, kids in school, it's different. Teachers, they talk a lot about that. Today, there's no more... Uh, interaction like this we miss this today it's a cell phone i love you daddy i love you why don't you tell me that in my face you need to text me that you know so it's the society is is changing and i think uh, uh an intelligent part of the coach is can you adapt to that society and and again i had incredible talks with bob regarding that he would look at me and say we have to find, you know, how much cell phones we're going to uh, allow until when in the locker room. When does it stop the cell phone in the locker room? And he told me years ago, I didn't have that problem. You know, we wouldn't talk about Instagram, what this guy said on Twitter, what this guy said on Facebook. Uh, I just saw uh, a video of the Ottawa Senators players yeah. in a Uber. I know. You know, so, so, but, but also we have to tell our players how to be careful. And just the communication today and managing all of that, managing a player that is from Brazil, that 
eats beans, black beans and white rice every single day. That is in their menu every day. And it's just part of it. So I, you can go to, you, I, I can't go to my nutritionist and say, uh, there's no black beans and, and white rice in the menu. No, can we find a way to have a little bit in the corner? Can we adapt to to the n- different nationalities, different religion, different uh, different um, different stages of where players are? You know, and that's the managing part that is important. Yes, you heard right. Marta Santos dropped a fine lines comment, picked up by Adam H. Uh, Wasted Sundays on Twitter, who's like, did I just hear that right? Yep, you did. But it was cool. I liked that. Con- I missed it at the time. It was when I was editing it. I was like, oh. Hashtag continuity. Mm-hmm. The yeah. more things change, the I, more I things missed it. the same. I missed it again because I, during that whole interview, I was going to listen to it, but then I started watching the uh, East Fife uh, highlights. You were at the yeah. interview. You don't need to listen I, I know, but you, you, sometimes Those you're... W- when, it's when a great the, game. Those are great highlights. <laughs> yes. We should talk about that more. <laughs> when you're when you're doing the interview, I was coming up with questions while listening, and you, sometimes you miss a couple things. Mm. Like we didn't miss the final. My first question is: Why is there a chair in the stands I with know. the with the away supporters? Yes, I think <laughs> the guy, the guy, picks, the guy it. picks it up, and it's like that was pretty funny. Anyway, back to the Martin Santos interview. See, lower league Scottish football is great fun. That was a home match for you, right? It was, yeah. yeah. Mark said that the clubs needs a coach that can change the divide and the culture stuff that played out the week before. It's what Steve talked about in part one, that sometimes a coach welcomes coming in to doing that because he feels he can change it. So he clearly feels that, that he can change that. He feels he can bring a new energy to the dressing room and the club. And you've got to be honest, it does feel right now that the club is needing some kind of new energy and new direction. Yeah, he'll give new energy. But you even heard him say it there. Some of my players don't like it because yes. I tell them I'm blunt with them, and yes. I tell them, which I've been I've been speaking to a couple of people that have kind of worked with him, under him, for him, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And the common trend from the couple that I spoke to is he's a very hard taskmaster, which I love because no no more snowflakes here. Let's just if you're not doing well, get called out for it. And, like, it's the problem with so many players these days. They're just too soft and they can't take criticism. You need to be driven as a person to, to complete whatever it is you're, you're, you're doing in life in general. So I'm with you in that. However, Michael, um, in one sense, people are like snowflakes, Michael, in the sense that they're all, all different. They're all different. Yes. And so you, ha- as a, as a, when you're managing anything – you have to recognize who is who and how you deal with them. Mm. It's like the. It's like but the, he, he mentioned that in one of the questions. He did. I asked he did a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's the thing is you can't. It's like your. It's like children. I don't know if, how it is for you, Steve. But like with children, like your children are different. You can't, as a parent, you can't necessarily do everything exactly the same with each child. Yes. Because it's not going to work. Like uh, the the older one gets slapped against the right cheek. The, le- the yeah. older, younger one's left cheek. It keeps it even. And exactly. I'd just show them videos if I if it was me. But. <laughs> I don't, oh, man. Um, 
That's not what I meant. <laughs> okay, but, sorry. Um, but no, like no, it, honestly, like other cheeks are available. You, oh man, you need you need to be able to treat people. Well, yeah. but, but then he did talk about yeah, how how do you integrate I, people with different backgrounds? I'll give you an and, example. I, when I was in Scotland, I worked in bank and I was a bank manager. So I went to this new branch, and there was a woman there is it that still in business. The it bank is okay. Good. There was a woman there that had been there for twenty five or thirty years. Everyone loved her. She was so nice. I did her first performance appraisal and had in floods of tears because I basically told her, you're not very good. I thought, <laughs> like, you made Anne cry. No one, why could you do that? Honesty. I'm all for honesty. And making I'm getting old women horrible cry. looks now from... And making old no, women no, cry. Yes. I never give she you re- horrible... She retired soon after <laughs> that. <laughs> it was the best thing for her. She wasn't cut up for the job. And if you're not, you need to ship out. And that's what I, the Whitecaps but, players will find. But that's not really a trait of the Whitecaps as a whole. No, it will be, I think, from now on. He did say, though, he prefers not to tear it all down. He wants to build around a core. But can he do that? Because will well, there be a the core, core? What's the no, core? No, no, no. Will there be even a I, core? I think, I think what he means by that is he doesn't want to ship everybody out. He's going to keep I some would, people. Yeah. Like, me, I, me and him disagree on that. Yeah. <laughs> but can he, for example, Kendall Waston, can he talk Kendall into staying or is that ship sailed? I think the ship sailed. His, his flight certainly flown. Yeah. Well, no, he's, he's, with the Nash- he's with the national. Yeah. He's getting ready to be with the national team. Uh, yeah, I, I would be, I never, you know, the the pseudo James Bond film, Never Say Never Again. Uh, <laughs> that's a great pose, Michael. Yep, I uh, am the next James Bond. Yeah, you could do it. Uh, see, but I think it's highly unlikely that that Kendall will be back. Yes, because because the thing is, the like whoever this two faced person is. Because um, we we <laughs> we're all about that. No, that no, seems so long ago. No, now, the, actually, yeah, whoever the two faced person is, that it's either like we 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 just guessed. This is speculation. We guessed either front somebody in the front office, the uh, supporters, um, somebody on the team, especially or people that spoke out. Harvey Dent. <laughs> no, <not him. laughs> uh, could be. Uh, but but the uh, but of those three people, it looks like all three of them are still going to be here next year. Har- yes, Har- so, Harvey Dent does make you feel unsafe in your home. Oh, he does, and in Gotham. Yeah, I've had that said about me as well. Anyway, we'll be back with part two of our chat with Mark DeSantos after this. Hi, I'm David Norman, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Mad Hat Magor. I went through my whole Mad Hat Magor collection, which is about six albums and a couple of EPs. Wait, that's not the same song as last week? My wife said that. <laughs> uh, it's very different. Well, it's a Scottish guy yelling words that most folk probably didn't make out, but he wants to bridge a gap. And the Whitecaps will need to bridge a gap to close this playoff gap between the top teams in the West and themselves. Well, I think you're talking about the, the academy, residency academy. And yeah, exactly. Because when you mentioned that earlier, I thought, ha-ha, wait till he hears the song we've got coming up. 
Yes. Sh- I'm sh- going to bring my... Wait, you're positive you didn't it. use that song before. I, I'm Bridge gonna, the I'm, Gap? Yeah. I'm going to have him every week for the rest of the year. Folk love this. Listeners of the, sh- of the program. Please let us know if you've heard Bridge the Gap before by Mad Hatter. Mad Hat McGore. Mad Hat McGore. Edinburgh's finest rapper. <laughs> Sounds like a Harry Potter character. <laughs> you are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. Just thought I'd put in a Scottish accent for that. Because I don't have one usually. <laughs> anyway, let's bring you now part two of our chat with Mark DeSantos. Now, obviously I'm not expecting you to name names, but Mm -hmm. you've had a season in MLS with LAFC, you've seen other players around the league. Have you identified some players within the league you'd like to bring here, or... Do you feel it's not important that players have that MLS experience? No, I think it's very important that they have MLS experience. But some that don't have it, uh, that might fit the profile and could be good here, maybe we should assess. Okay, But I think uh, an experience in this league is important. What you don't want is to go after... Well, we need all the foreigners and they come and they never... Maybe the league has foreign players that are already adapted to the league and we could get them so we have to assess all of that I'm afraid of telling you names of players that yeah. I like in the league but off the record after I could tell you because I'm uh, it, it's going to give you an idea of maybe also how we want to play uh, but I I just I, I, I don't know if by rule, if I say that I like this guy, this guy, you, will, you will get in yeah. trouble. Yeah, yeah. so, it's like so I'm so. all I'm 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 adapting to all the MLS rules. Yeah. I'm, in games, I'm very emotional. So uh, when many goals in the NSL, uh, I celebrated them outside my my area and jumped even on players. <laughs> so I'm that type of person. I'm a worm, but uh, I know that I can't celebrate like that in MLS. So I'm adapting to all of that. So I, I'll tell you names off the record. <laughs> but um, we need to be careful to bring players that yeah. could adapt to the style of one of our team and then that could adapt to the style of the league, to taking planes, travel five, six hours, play a game two yeah. days after, recover fast to play again and recover fast to play again and uh, that's a certain profile so again uh, of course we're looking at guys in the league because they already they already have the dna of the league but now do they have the dna of what we want to build there you talked about the uh, mls rules and everything there's also mls rules when it comes to signing players yeah. as well yeah. um how much were you involved at lafc and did you learn a lot because obviously at, yeah, the, I, at the lower I, levels there's yeah. not very much rules but no, here no, there no. are a lot more yeah so i've always had a salary cap yeah okay even in the end let's make it clear even if the nasl or usl didn't have a, a, a budget official cap, yeah, yeah. i had a cap the right. cap in ottawa was john Pugh saying mark <laughs> Don't spend more than this. Yeah. And the club, San Francisco was Andres, uh, Brian Elmick. He would say, Mark, don't spend more than this. So I always worked under a cap. But then you got internationals. You got to... You yes, and, and I had that in, yeah. in the oh, lower the, league, okay. number of internationals. Yeah. But all had a different type of, of budget and, and rules that you say. Yeah. 
in 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 LA, I was able to listen to everything. But because the team in LA had uh, John Torrington, Will working on on that, it was more. These are the right backs that we could get that fit our salary cap. These are the center backs we could get that fit our salary cap. Or, guys, you have X amount of money to to find a, a center back. So I was always involved around that. And I think what's in place here, it's gonna get, it, it has already enough experience, what's in place here, to understand the cap. Uh, so I'm, I'm very comfortable that in the process it's going to be something that I'll control and, uh, uh, and understand very fast. Um, you talked about the scouting staff uh, yeah. in your press conference too. How important, like, are, is there a certain profile you're looking, not for the players, but for the scouts yeah. themselves, or is it more of your network that you're we going to be felt, No, it cannot be that. Okay. It cannot be that because what we felt is a lot of the recruitment process was was put a lot in the backs of Bob and Greg Anderson and then the coach network. And then that was the little package of how you bring players to the club. But the responsibility is much bigger than that. It cannot, you know, you're you're bringing a club, a player that 22,000, 23,000 people are going to be sitting there and say, wow, they went after this guy. He's a good player. He's entertaining. He's fast. He's aggressive, you know. And this is a huge responsibility. I can't just be in front of a computer doing that. Um, so the, the scouting network is going to help you. Uh, this has to be, we want to build this and put it in place as fast as possible, but with the right people. We're going to start visiting clubs that are very successful doing that. I want to go to Porto, I want to go to Benfica, that in the, their last 10 years I've brought no names that became big names, mm-hmm. and I want to learn with that. Uh, maybe who knows one day bring somebody from their department to work for us. So we're looking at all of that. But that the, this, the, the, the results of a scouting department, you won't see it in the window of December. Yeah. Yeah. You will probably It's a long term thing. Uh, well, medium. I would say long term. Well, yeah, medium term. I don't hide yeah. the, uh, behind the long term thing. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm protecting <laughs> myself. No, no. It's not. It's not. It's not a long, but it's a medium term that could start bringing uh, results. You talked about Napoli, and yeah. you like the way that they play. What is it about them that you find attractive? Yeah, I. Th- you know that there's that ball possession Barcelona style or Guardiola style, that is. Uh, so, but I'm talking more about the Napoli of Sari, and it changes a little bit with the Napoli of. Uh, of, of Ancelotti, it's still very good, but there's, in my opinion, still a lot of habits from the Sari Napoli. Um, but what I like is there's this Barcelona possession that many times it's passing to pass. Uh, for that, you need a lot of quality. So it's delusional for us to be here saying we're going to be like a Barcelona. It's total delusional. Coaches that sit down and speak about Barcelona for me in North America is is almost a lie because you can you know the quality is so high what i like about napoli is how their possession is vertical yes they're in possession but they want to do that going right away to goal so sometimes when the opening is right away there they go right away uh, what the i also liked about them last season and we you see it a little bit with chelsea is that when they have the ball, they're already so close to each other. So the passes are not 
40 yards or 30 yards passing is all close and there's a reason for that so just picture that this is the the, the field where the goal is here we're having possession here but to go there but we're already close with to each other because if we lose the ball we already have four or five players that could attack and be aggressive to recover it these are principles that i like a lot then the, the Liverpool side is I like how, how, how Klopp in his teams of Liverpool has been so objective to goal. It's exciting. Even though it's not very possession-oriented, It's all, it, they always look dangerous. They always look that any moment they're going to be dangerous. Now, are we going to sign Firmino, Salah? No. But can we look for profiles that are... And I give you an example of... Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna say his name, but because I coached him, and an example of a player that is vertical and likes to do that Latif blessing in uh, in uh, in uh, in LA. And you're not talking about a player of three million. You know, that's my point here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I understand that there's realities, and I understand that there's the LAFCs and there's the Atlantas and the Galaxy. But like I say, when people tell me, yeah, in MLS, there's LA. No, it's in the world. And I don't think that Valencia is crying because Barcelona is spending what they spend. No, Barca Valencia tries to maximize what they have. And uh, Lille in France are not saying, yeah, but PSG is spending this. No, they maximize what they have. And I think that the Whitecaps have to focus on... How can we maximize what we have and go after the best players possible? You know, I give this example sometimes. I go on a date. We both go on a date. Not together. You're going with uh, your date. I'm going with your date. A double date. No, no. No, we're going, you do, when you, no, no, we're going individually. Okay, okay, gotcha. okay. I'm going to one place. He goes to one place. Okay, gotcha. You have 100 bucks. I have 50. It doesn't mean automatically that your date's going to be better than mine. Yeah. Right? It depends where I bring the person and what we do and how we maximize the 50 bucks. Sometimes you could be 100 bucks and you say, and it was boring, it didn't work out. So I, I, I try to stay away from what the others spend. It's just maybe the fact that I was, yes, when we won with Montreal in 2009, we were up there with Vancouver in the spending. And that's why... Maybe we played in the final, right? Uh, but then after that, I was always in places that I had to maximize what I had. And I, I'm just used to it, and I like that challenge. What's the thing that you're most excited about coming here? Like, what, What's the one thing right now that you're really looking forward to, to undertaking? There's a lot of pieces, right? Uh, but I'm excited about... Um, the, the, the combine to have my first combine as a head coach I'm excited about a first preseason as a head coach I'm excited about the potential still of moves that could be done in this roster on keeping a core but there's also the ability of, of making moves in the roster uh, I could have went to clubs maybe that one day and not have the opportunity to make a lot of moves and, and here the door is still open to to, to improve the roster and to make it better. So I'm excited about that. And I, I'm excited that, uh, you know, this is very genuine and honest. I want 
young Canadian coach. You know, like I say, we, we talk so much about Afonso Davis. Yes, it's incredible for the country, incredible for the player, incredible for this club. And to see Canadian players getting opportunities. But I'm excited of what this means also to Canadian coaches. Coaches that are taking their B license, to coaches that are taking their A license here and probably saying, yeah, I have the dream of coaching pro, but I'm always going to coach club level. There's no hope. You know, they only hire Americans or, or Argentinians or, or Colombia, whatever you want, foreign coaches. There's no space for Canadian coaches in MLS. I'm excited of what this does for hope and opening doors for other coaches. And I feel... I feel a lot of responsibility with that. That's great. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah. Delighted to have you here. Thank Look you. forward to chatting to you. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for your time. Thank you, guys. Le gaffer there. That, that means the, the gaffer in English. I, I, I had to commentate on a couple of French teams at the Nationals these past four days. Bon chance. I murdered those poor guys' names. I apologise to them on air and, oh, yeah. Scottish accents. Do you get, you get like, doc, do you get, like, paid less for, like, screwing up names? No. Okay. We do that with Steve. That's why he doesn't make any money. That's true. But a couple couple things I want to mention about the interview itself. Um, he mentioned he, but a couple people by first name, and some people might not know who he's talking about. When he mentioned Bob, it was Bob Bradley. Yes, most of the times, and John was John Thorrington, the yes. the technical director or whatever of LAFC. What's your nickname for, for John Thorrington? Oh, sick note. <laughs> I I was Mister Glass. I really appreciate John Thorrington. I'm, 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 yeah, it was good to see him. Uh, what was I saw him earlier this year? Yeah, yeah, earlier this year. Yeah, you shook his hand and he yeah. broke his wrist. <laughs> but a lot of interesting stuff to come out of that. I know when I'm editing this later, my wife hears that she's going to want to know where I'm taking her on this yes, $100 yes. date. Um, I mean... If you have $100 versus $50 on a date, that's a huge difference. But No, but seriously, $100 versus $50 for a date. Think mm-hmm. about taking out Caitlin. Yeah. Thinking out... Taking Mrs. Steve. I treated her to an A&W burger tonight. Beyond Meat. Oh, it was back in? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I haven't had one, but I always see that note on the door saying, we're sold out. Yeah. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. No, they're back. They're not, I've had it for the first time. It was nice. Yeah. No. Sorry sorry for saying Mrs. Steve. Sandy, uh, Sandeep. Okay. <laughs> so, no, but imagine you could take Sandeep out. You got $50, $100. Yeah, $50 is definitely the limit. I'd spend hundred. Tell her I'll take her out for a hundred dollars. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I, I'd rather hear this from some people. Don't mind. Anyway, let's get back to the football chat. Steve was very confused when he this whole date thing went on, as you, as you heard there. But yeah, because I wasn't sure what I didn't. I didn't hear him say you're going to take your date somewhere. I, I didn't hear that part, so that's why I assumed oh, maybe they just started getting together or something like that. I'd love Nathan to walk in at this point and go. What the hell are they talking about? <laughs> he said he just needed them for 10 minutes. They've been sitting here for 25, and now they're going on a date together? What? What is happening here? But he talked about he wants to keep possession. He likes to play an aggressive style of play to win the ball back. So to me, that 
fits the likes of Ali Ghazal, David Norman down to a T. No, 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 it doesn't because he also mentioned that he wants to get the ball forward. And I, I, that oh, doesn't well, fit Ali Ghazal. No, at all. It does David, David Norman, David who Norman, is doing yes. outstanding McQueen of the South since he's ended himself a starting role. Now, yeah. also, um, another thing that could fit David Norman if they play three at the back. Yeah, mm. he could play one of those spots uh, in a rotation. So can Ali Ghazal. He's doing that with Egypt again. I don't think Ali Ghazal is going to come back. He's paid I, way too much. I, <laughs> I think Ali Ghazal's messaging when he was leaving town made it sound like he's not coming back. He, I think his his main focus is going to be the Africans Cup. So I think he wants to be near there. And like I told you guys before. Like Morocco. Th- these international call-ups, this is not by mistake that these are happening oh, at yes. this time. Yeah. Or Russia. There's, uh, yeah. <laughs> what? He wants to be near Africa, so he wants to be near in Russia because they're close <laughs> together. It's a callback. A callback. <laughs> sorry, you didn't say Morocco. <laughs> Mark does. I did say Morocco. Oh, you didn't hear. Oh, Mark did also say he likes high pressure mm-hmm. with a solid defense. So that will please Stefan Marinovic, who wants a kind of defense first uh, approach for sure. We know that there's gaps in the squad. We've talked a little bit about it. So does Mark DeSantos, knows that there's gaps as well. He's watched them, he's studied them. He know, he probably knows who he'd like to bring in, or at least the style of player that he wants to bring in. And I think that would be a, a big indicator as to how he's going to play. What, what would you say is the most pressing needs that he needs to address? He has got three months. He doesn't have to do it all right away. So no, his no, most pressing that, well, thing might be one thing, and we don't get that to the very end. The answer but. to the most pressing need is yes. Yeah, that's that's true. That's the, it's just yes. Mm. Everything no. is a pressing no, need no, at this point. No, There's very true. few spots that are solid, solidified at all. Right back yeah. is it, one maybe I could put. I, I, it, yeah, you know, I don't even know about that. I know that's true. Um, that's true. Um, the uh, you're right when you say, Michael. There's three months until whatever opening day or whatever preseason camp. Preseason, or whatever. Close, but but. Um, that there's a, a shorter clock on those options. Those options are what early December, right? Yeah, there's a yeah, date for, that has for to be done. Current on, guys, yeah, yeah. I think it's actually late November. It has to be decided on for not. I thought it's for early December. I, th- yeah, I thought it's like the day that, before MLS comes. No, 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 no. no it's there, announced, but no, it's all there's, done. Th- right, there's three that. deadlines. There's one deadline for uh, teams out of the pl- that are done out of the playoffs oh. at this point. There's one for the teams that don't make the MLS Cup, and then there's the one for the people that. So were Vancouver's in MLS will Cup. probably be in November then. The, yeah, I think so. Some I can't remember the dates. And you got to think those decisions. Are pretty close to done. Oh yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, he wants to sit down and chat with them all. We we talked there. The about, chat might be, "You're not coming back." Yeah, <laughs> you have to have those hard discussions. Yeah. He did feel MLS experience would be a boon, so he did kind of drop a couple of little well, hints about possible trades. I, I think, and I think, I think he what he's trying. To, I'm not, we're guessing what he's trying to say is he he needs some MLS. He's not going to bring everybody from abroad. No. So he needs some MLS experience to kind of guide the new players in. So there's kind of like a way to uh, integrate everybody together, and so they don't have to work way too long for that chemistry to click in. Yeah, you you do need guys that know the league, and football is football in some regards, but also MLS is a whole different animal with the travel and everything like that that goes with it. Playing on turf one week, playing on grass the next, just all those different things. Snow one week, and then. Who knows what temperature the next is? Just heat, the heat and humidity of Houston. Yeah, just all that weird stuff. So it helps to have MLS players. Obviously, folk are going to be listening to that and go, "Which players did he did he talk about when you were off the record?" We obviously, can't say. Can't say because it's off the record. Yeah, but can't you just say and like bleep it out? Yeah, beep. <laughs> I did say to him, "What about bringing Johnny Russell here?" Right. 
big fan of Johnny Russell. I don't think that breaks the thing to reveal that. No, no I think most people. But I heads. don't think you should talk about his comments about about Johnny Russell too, because that might. <laughs> no, he just said it, he he he's a big fan with of his. me. Yeah. he's a he's a big fan. But but I, I'm I, even I, thinking about going down to see my bestie down in Portland in a couple of weeks in the first leg of the but playoffs. Honestly, the way he's I'll come with you. The the way he's playing, I don't see him even being in MLS next year. No, what, he's he's going to go back. What to, time's to kick the UK? Four thirty Eastern. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. We'll come to that in the next part. I mean, oh, Eastern? Stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I can't go. No, sorry. 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. Uh, you still probably can't go. Remember those days? Remember those days when we show up in the state? <laughs> as long as you got your border stuff sorted, we have a, there's a chance. As long as I'm not traveling with the Cascadia Cup, we're going to be good. <laughs> next week, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. We'll... Drop a list of MLS players that we think would be a good fit in Vancouver. Listeners as well, tweet us during the week of what MLS players you would maybe want to see the Whitecaps make moves for. And don't think that, well, obviously some of the big ones might be, we're not going to sign, sign Zlatan, cause, mainly because he's pissing off back to, to Europe. But like realistically, what MLS players do you think the Whitecaps could make a move for? Send us some tweets during the week and we'll, we'll chat about this. We'll draw up our own little list. Obviously, I've got... Got my pal Johnny at the top. We'll see what else happens with that. He was very complimentary of working with Bob Bradley. The LA players have seemed to love him. They've tweeted out lots of well, good wishes and, and stuff. Yeah, there. Jordan Harvey even tweeted that he's exactly the kind of coach that Vancouver needs. Yeah, or with DeSantis. Yeah. What one player we didn't? I'm assuming talk... he probably listened to the end of pressing, yeah. the press conferences too. End what, of season. One player we didn't talk to him about on or off the record was Mark Anthony Kay. One thing about LAFC this year is that I think was a turning point in their year of losing losing him as their holding midfielder. Yeah, it was that, mentioned on the broadcast and everything like that too. Yeah, that's that's the exact thing. So I mean, that could be an interesting possibility. There's a lot of money talk that that took place at the press conference and stuff like that. I I still don't think we need to spend tons of money to compete, and we've shown that, and other teams have shown that we do need to spend more, and it has to be spent and allocated. Way better than it has been. Were you concerned about all this talk about? It doesn't sound like there's big budgets available. Okay, so just I just want you to clarify what you just said. So, are you saying that they should change their plan, which was spread out more money over a larger group of players, and go more with what they refer to as the Columbus model of put as much money as possible into your starting eleven, knowing that your your you know yeah eleven I, through eighteen will be weaker. I I wouldn't mind that. All right. If you're going to not chop and change as much and then rely on your young guys coming through from the academy for those other spots outside the 11. And if you're going to put more money into that uh, starting 11, make sure they're good players. That would be ideal too. Players that's not going to sit on the bench. Players that are not going to get sent off every couple of games. Or hit referees. Yes. I think the the Whitecaps have likes Columbus because they spend low and still achieve occasionally. Mm. Or Chiefs. Or or not. Yeah. Today. Or not. As yeah. is the case. He mentioned about travelling to Porto as well and his love of Napoli last season. So, I mean, that, all that kind of stuff is, is going to excite. When, when he's talking about how he, in the future he'd love to kind of have some kind of relationship with Porto to maybe have players going back and forward. I mean, that, that's an exciting prospect. Probably a long way away. But as he did say, don't say that all this is long term. Yeah, mid term. Yeah, he's hoping, well, I, I tried to hoping see, for mid term. I, I, I thought I'd give him an out to say long term, but yeah. then he corrected me right away and said, no. That, that was nice to hear him yeah. say, I'm not going to hide behind. Yeah, I liked that. that. That was nice. 
But, I was uh, just very positive coming away f- from that chat. I was disappointed he didn't reference Ajax. I thought that was like part of the identity thing. And well, it's changing. We've moved to Portland. It's right? changing. Napoli. Yeah. Napoli is the identity. Are we two Portuguese? No, he, he said... He, Arnando's going to be our new shirt sponsor. He he mentioned that uh, not only players, but he said he might... the You know, somebody that's in that scouting staff um, in Porto might come here and work for the Whitecaps as well. Yes. So that's... Uh, that'll be... Uh, it, that was a really good chat with Mark. Really enjoyed it. Hope you guys did too. That's the end of our Whitecaps and Mark Descentos loving for, for this episode. We're going to be back with some MLS chat though after this. Hello, it's Kai Kumar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Keeping our Canadian Portuguese theme going tonight. We've got some Nandos in the studio. Big fat drumstick. <laughs> Nelly Furtado bursting out over the PA system. From Victoria, BC. It's like Portugal. It's like yeah. mini Portugal. Yeah. No, I think she performed at uh, uh, the Euro. Was it the Euro in Portugal? She actually performed there. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, what team was she playing? 2004. For? She performed, performed her songs. Performed. She's an artist. Oh. Artiste. Anyway, you are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. So it's time to move away from the White Caps and talk about something that the White Caps aren't involved with. The playoffs. MLS playoffs. Yeah. There we go. Sad. I love playoff time. Really gone off college playoffs, but we'll come to that in the next part. <laughs> but then there were four. We're down to four teams, two in the East. Two in the West. Conference finals are all set. Surprisingly, three of the top four seats have made it through to the conference finals. That does not happen a lot in MLS. It's happening we- more and more, though. And which is the one that didn't make it? Uh, Seattle. kind of... Yeah, sh Flounders FC. Yes. The East, we've got Red Bulls taking on Atlanta. Top two in the East. Yep. Top in the West, Sporting Kansas City. Taking on those also rands of of Portland, the Lumberjacks. Come on, Johnny Russell. The Red Bulls. Uh, I think Atlanta really had. N- oh, we'll talk about the games. In yeah, a bit. I guess we should start. Well, off yeah, with let's kick off with Seattle, the, the big one. Seattle, which v. Portland. Was, I didn't watch which, it live it because I was commentating up at the Nationals here. It was a good game. It was a playoff classic. The I, second leg you're talking about? Yeah. yeah I, I knew it had gone to penalties, but I didn't know what score was. So I, I put it back and I watched that as, as live. So yeah. that, that, that was exciting. No, it, it, was, it was a good game to watch. Uh, it started, as usual, with the the middle versus lower Cascadian derbies with some quality TIFO. So I, I assume you guys know this. I know no, that. Okay. I didn't see so I, I only watched know, the highlights of the you, goals in MLS. You know that... So the, nothing existed for the first 67 minutes I went to MLS. <laughs> you know that the game was why it was on Thursday, right? Yes, because yeah, the Seattle car played. Because the car, so the the Timbers Army was the car show. There was a car show. No, there's a car show and something oh, like right. A, Seattle was in a, LA and so an airplane Seahawks, con, yeah. an airplane making contest or something. Anyway, so there's a car show at the convention center or whatever. So the TA's TIFO 
was um dude where's my car show where's your car show <laughs> oh, oh that's damn. why that's it, was. it was i didn't yeah. get that and i think i i got i forgot to double check this but i think the 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 the, the vehicle they chose was the no pity van their no pity van the timbers army oh. van where they sell merch i could be wrong with that but, but the thing is what... both even whatever the case it was thursday both teams were at the same advantage there was no like this major disadvantage yeah in fact portland probably were more of a disadvantage because they had Three games in, I think, a week. Well, or except for the fact that if it was later, there could have been a chance that Roll Dime could have played for Seattle. True, good point. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think uh, what's his face, Big Man Marshall. Mar- Marshall had a surgery or something, yeah, so I, I don't think, think he was, was going to be available. But yeah, he might be done. Yeah, done. you got, you got a good point there. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was entertaining. It was a very good, very some, good. Fun. Some good goals, some horrendous goalkeeping. Oh, that opener for Seattle, the drop from Jeff, Jeff Antonella. Oh. Wow. Kind of what a howler! He's like banging the turf. He's probably thinking to himself, "Oh, I've just blown it." All he it could, was, all he could hear was "Dodgy keeper, dodgy keeper, dodgy." It looked like Seattle were done, yeah. and then Rui Diaz doing what you want a DP to do, and like coming in at the clutch. That was a that was a great strike for the goal to send it to extra time. And then yeah. Esprilla, he scored the first one too. Esprilla scored a nice goal, lovely uh, header. And then uh, that handball that Blanco was, I don't know, like mm. I think somebody was like robbing him because he had both hands up like, sticking <laughs> out. Like, Such a stupid... Well, he wasn't... He was and um, then he was... Then they complained about... Then Valeri was trying to say that he yeah. had his hands behind his back. Have you never been held up in, in Middle Cascadia there? No. In that fishing village? No, no. no? Oh. It's a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the best part was at, at when it went 3-3, Portland players started celebrating like they had won the game. Yes. Yeah. Because they thought their way goals counted it in the extra fantastic. time. fantastic. And then afterwards... Was it, it was Blanco, I think. Blanco, Valeri, Blanco Valeri, went, Valeri, Valeri, like, dropped, Valeri dropped to his knees, I think. And it was like... <laughs> yeah, I think it was Blanco. Maybe whatever the case, but they were they were celebrating. Oh. And then afterwards, afterwards, the comment was... That they no, they knew that that was the rule. They were uh, they were celebrating that they got to penalties. Oh no! Which is no. which Who makes it that? even worse. Who said that? Blanco oh. apparently. I saw it in a tweet. Blanco said that, <laughs> in, which makes it even Some worse. Revisionist history. There. No, but it makes it worse because it shows that like, why would you be? Ha- he's not. A, he's not a white cap. What's going know, on? Why, why would you be happy? Oh, we've made it to penalties. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. But they got through and then they celebrated all over. I think they had just had a premonition of what was going to happen, so they were just. Well, I, sure celebration. I forget who it was, but I tweeted at maybe uh, maybe Dan. I, I tweeted at a, um, you know, they had their uh, Portland had their double post a couple of years ago. Now they have their double celebration. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, penalties. Uh, uh, Bruin hit the post, but Alonzo's penalty was just horrendous. It was weak. He was just walked up and just shot it, and then walked back. <laughs> oh, I should ask Mark DeSantis about Will Bruin. Yeah, because <laughs> you like him. Yeah, but they'll. F- Portland will now face Kansas City, which was in another Western good conference game. final. Yeah, that, but that, they they the final they ten minutes are sight, and then they yeah. for some reason just got themselves in so much trouble. I had, I've had to basically fast forward through all three games today, so I've not really watched anything apart from the goals and a couple well, of the thing. The thing is, the biggest thing was RSL had a chance to get that third goal. They were really buzzing around Sporting, and Sporting was just under it like for the most of that last ten minutes, and then when it got to extra time then they just killed the game they were able to possess the ball and it was just could you imagine if the fax machine and printers were working for RSL (laughs) you've got to give full credit to RSL not even just for today but this whole playoff campaign they've been whole season excellent well the thing with RSL even making it yeah the thing with RSL was they it was like they shouldn't have made it yeah like the Galaxy should have passed them had had tip to Houston (laughs) yes and so they got through the first round, which was great for them. They got they got uh, two more games th- out of th- it. Thank you to them for letting us have Mark DeSantos early. 
Krylash has been oh, yeah. outstanding for them in this this playoff. Let's add him to our list of players. They're number, si- they're number six. <laughs> I gave him a lifeline today. I mean, Casey were Diego Rubio, Daniel Sloy, had him tune up. They should have been coasting. Yeah. And that that's a concern for me heading in to the conference final that they give up these goals and they let other teams get back into it. And I do feel Portland's got a real good chance in, in this final. How do you see it going? Like, who, who have you got to, to win this? I'm going to stick with my preseason choice, Sporting. Uh, I, I think I agree with you that they, they kind of like let off the gas. Mm. But maybe they learn it from this lesson from this time and they won't do it yeah, again. Yeah, get it out now. Yeah. Get, well, it's gotta get be, your gas out now. It's got to be the Lumberjacks because they're the only like rival of the, of the, of the Whitecaps left. So oh, yeah, so it's only our rivals that win yeah. the cup, yeah. No, I, I think the Lumberjacks have a uh, will we'll enjoy being I, the underdogs and not have a show. I'm going to go that KC will just edge it, but it's going to be very, very tight. Mon the Russell. Out east, Atlanta beat NYC 3-1 in the day, 4-1 in aggregate. New York did try to make a, a fight of it, but Atlanta took the, the lead, Joseph Martinez, penalty in the 25th, Miguel... Almiron, three minutes before half time. Free kick. Before Chanel nice gave him a kick. lifeline. Oh, yeah. Was the, the commentators kept on, uh, kept on talking about how he like gained like five, seven yards on the placement of the free kick. Yeah. Uh, great atmosphere in Atlanta again as well, I felt. Lots of flag waving. Yes. Very good. You would have loved that. Yeah. Um, and then Martinez at the end. Yeah, put, killed put it off well. I didn't like his technique, but it worked out well. He kind of smashed it. He kind of smashed it up the outside of his boot, uh, outside of his boot, outside of his boot, and uh, boot. yeah, it was yeah. I was surprised by the technique when I saw the replay. You're being but. critical of a guy that scored all these. No, I just I was, I was so surprised by the the, the his selection. Doesn't live up to Zach's. Standards. I thought he was. I thought when I originally when I originally thought it, I wasn't paying that much attention. I thought, oh, you just side footed it in, but the way he kind of mm. smashed it. Red Bulls. Also, pretty comfortably through three 0 in the night, three one in aggregate. Columbus just but didn't it all turn came, up. Didn't it come? They lost because they yeah. lost Steve as a supporter after they got yeah. saved. Yeah, well, but they've still got their team, so that's all that supposedly. Marks. Yeah, yeah. It's what, what, quiet. Would it be, really, be funny if now I'm stuck it over? <laughs> you didn't get far enough. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was tied into you making the Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland final. had you. Oh, Cleveland Browns had you only if you made the final. Who you got to win that in the East? And it's going to be tight, and I think that's going to be a crack. I'm anyone but dead bull, so it's kind so of... I, I, want, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like Atlanta, but... I, I want Atlanta because just the whole atmosphere and everything they've well, created. Well, that's because they have a, a good German. Meh. You want a German-Scottish final there? Oh, that'd be good, yeah. You, you can go. have your Atlanta boys. I'll have my KC boys. The one person we didn't talk about was Ridgewell. Ridgewell from the, from the shootout. Ridge, did Ridgewell get stopped? You're right. I think it was Ridgewell, and he looked very casual. And I was just like, I, all I could see was that picture of you. With the, oh, he the, did. The yeah. <laughs> he did because I called it that he was going to get yeah. stopped before it happened, and my kids were very impressed with me that I called it. Was it was so lackadaisical. I go, I go, Dad, you do know about football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got an Englishman, a, Scots, a Scot, Scottish guy, a Scott, and uh, you got a German, and who's then, then, then Deadbull. They're just Deadbull. Yeah. It's going to be. It's but they be. have Daniel Royer. Oh, that's right. He's yeah. Austrian. Well, no one, no one. The most no famous <laughs> German was born in Austria. Yeah. One of the famous Germans. No need to name him. I think we all know who it is. Yes. Zachary Meisner. <laughs> Moving on to international news, Canada. The squad was named for the St. Kitts and Nevis matches. Don't know if it's two games or if they're just playing with the, the three, <laughs> three in the one match. Six points. 
Any surprises in the squad for you? Other than Sam being back? Yay! I would Sam say, could be his back. I, I would say just them having like four or four backs in the lineup is a surprise. I, I thought having an actual left back and not relying on yeah. Alfonso Davies was the big shock. That'd well, be, they, they, need to take, they need to mark Atiba Harris. Oh. He's scoring all kinds of goals for St. Mm. Kitts and Nevis. Well, St. Kitts and Nevis though? don't lose many games there either. And they don't give up a lot of goals. It's a tricky place to it play. It is. And John Herman did say it's probably their toughest game that they've faced so far under his tenure. Oh, absolutely. It is good, though, to see Samari Cook be back. He, John Herman did a, a conference call. He's doing so many of these. It's awesome for, for us, for the extra podcasts and stuff. So one of the questions I asked him on it was about bringing Samari Cook be back. So let's hear what he had to say about that. The defence is probably going to get tested in this game more than, than the other two matches, looking at some of the goals that St Kitts have put up in their last game. Looking at the Canadian defence, you've brought Sam Adekugbe back into the squad. Just wondering what your thinking was behind bringing him back in at this time. We've been working through a process and, you know, back in July, I, I spoke with every player and I showed them a, a presentation of the, the squad development plan and how we were using Nations League to uh, develop the squad but also assess the squad. So, you know, players had clarity of you know, what game they might get called for and, um, you know, what what they had to do in terms of taking care of their own business, making sure they were getting game time to, you know, warrant the call-up. And, you know, Sam Adekube has played pretty much consistently for Valerenga. He's uh, a consistent player there. You know, he's able to accumulate assists. And that's what I asked him to take care of. And, you know, if, if he was taking care of his business, then... You know, you would you would get the call up to one of these games, and and this is this is the match he's coming in for. We had him in the camp in Mercia. I had a good look at him there. Um, can I get another chance to assess him as, as a left back in this in this environment? So, you know, I think it's part of the process, but it's also you know bringing a player in that's playing consistent minutes now at left back, who you know will have that match readiness going into what I think is going to be a really uh, tough contest. So John Herman's thoughts on Sam Adekubi there, and it's great to see Sam back in the squad. He, he did feature in March in one of their, their training camps that they had, so he's done well out in Norway, and you do want a proper left-back It'd be interesting in to see him. I think him and Alfonso can probably have some good chemistry. Yeah, I mean, right imagine I don't him think tearing up the wings. I don't think they've ever played together, but uh, if anything, at WC two maybe at the at the most, but um, but I think they can definitely have a good connection. Yeah, actually, they have played together in WFC yeah. two. But was it against Porkchop? No, that was too early. For <laughs> that was too early. Sam played great that day. Yeah. Though. He but he ate up that Porkchop. <laughs> we've talked so much about the promising youth that Canada's got. There's a lot of youth in this the squad to face St Kitts and Nevis. Maybe we should have kept some of those guys out of that game. Or getting to play both and be part of the under twenty squad because the U twenties crashed and burned out of World Cup qualifying against Panama. The killer two one loss to Panama is what did it. Only one team advanced from each group. Yeah, that loss. That was what's that that, that loss happened because yeah. Panama's next two games were very easy. Yeah, and I know. So it was basically done. They lost to St. Kitts and well, Nevis as you well. You say very or? easy. It's the teams that we played because I'm Canadian now, and we struggled. We we just narrowly ground out some results in those games. It this is like more than frustrating. Like this should not be happening. Uh, this to me is one of the 
first con- concerns I've had in like John Herdman's overseeing the men's program is you one of the things you need to is develop um, one of the things that needs to be a part of your culture is winning, and they had an opportunity here I think to do something. So uh, I know Michael, you were telling me that some of the players weren't released by their their club size. Yeah, he he mentioned he was asked about the U twenties and how they were doing. This is before they had just yeah. got knocked out, and he he mentioned how tough it had been getting players released from the clubs in Europe because it's outside a FIFA window. So the clubs would just not release these players for this. Right. I understand that because it's the clubs that's paying their wages. At the same time, some of these guys are not first team regular, so you'd yeah. hope that they would get released by the club. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. So firstly, obviously, the scheduling doesn't help. But you, I mean, you tell me Alfonso Davies couldn't have played in this, and I'm not just saying that because I wanted you know see Alfonso play. I think he play, certainly but. could have played both, but I don't know if they feel that with everything that's going on with Bayern, it was just going to burn him out. Burn him out. He's not going to play for a month and a half. But they definitely want him for the St. Kitts thing because they, first and foremost, St. Kitts and Nevis, you have to win that because you cannot afford to not be top six and not get into the Gold Cup. I think I think he could have done both. Um, I think he could as well, but say he picked an injury up and then it ruled him out. But we are a team that's more than just Alfonso Davies. No, I know. And, 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 but if and, you look at it, the other players that could have been there, Liam Miller... Um, Tabla. Um, well, Tabla. So Tabla couldn't get released from Barca B. Is that what probably you're saying not saying Michael? Yeah. Like, do we know that? I I would imagine that that was the same. That's awkward. Well, yeah. You can't get out of a second. Like yeah. Jonathan. I can understand. I can understand. Hey, they want him on the bench for the Champions League or something, or or the Spanish Cup or something. So that. But like, if it's the, if this is Segunda or whatever in Spain. Like to me, that's. I think Derek Cornelius is under twenty-two, if I'm not mistaken. And I, and I, I, having said that, obviously some of Canada's good young players were there. Like Boosty was there, right? Yeah. Like yep. There are other really good players, so it's disappointing on a number of levels. But to but to, to me, say Theo Bear did fantastic. Right, yeah, he did yeah. good. Michael Baldissimo got sent off for a horrible. That that might have been the like ch- a, uh, that was against Panama yeah, too, right? That, that was right. a tough oh, one. Yeah, that was they both summer. finished ten men against, but Panama's guy sent off was like but, really late in the game. But Bal- so Baldi had mixed results because he had some that pass. Oh, the first that first pass. Yeah, there were a couple games. Uh, no, the second game I think it was when he the was ball making over those the passes. Top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a really good touch. So it, it, it's just very very frustrating. Theo Bear did well. He did exceptional. He did one goal, two assists. But uh, yeah, I mean disappointing all round and. As you say, it's the first big setback for the program under John Herdman. You have to, you have to qualify and just get to a World Cup again. This, there's so much hope, and then you things like this happen, and you think, hmm, it's not, a, let's, not it's not, it's not, let's not tear down the program it, right now. No, no, it's no, no. Uh, okay, it's not a huge setback, but it's it, it is, is a setback. It is a setback, and it is disappointing. Let's be honest, and let's not make excuses this, for this it. This is what I'll say, and it's we've no been talking deal. about this this whole time. Don't listen to these guys. I hope they use this as a lesson learned. So when Olympic qualifying comes around, they don't mess around. Now, obviously, again, schedule. Have so schedule, FIFA, you know, schedule and the f- releasing. That's one thing. But uh, to me, Alfonso Davies should have been there. Qualifying should have been happening in the off season of the European, like the off season of like in July or something like that. So all the players don't. Or you know, a FIFA window. Well, or FIFA win- Let's just get Vic on the phone. And but if you did yeah. it, if you did it at a FIFA window, you would have had. Alfonso and all those guys with the first team, and they wouldn't have been available. Available anyway. I mean, that's fine, but you would have had a. You still would have had more. You would have had Tabla, Tabla. You would have yes. Miller. Yeah. yeah. Or sorry, is Miller's eligible? Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. he's under so, twenty. Yeah. So anyway, that's our Canada <laughs> talk done. 
just before we wrap up this section, it, it's time for my favourite part of the show. It's wavelength time. Oh, more Mad Hatter? No. Oh, okay. We're, we're going back, I think it's 2007, 2008, to a, an English band called The Tractors. And we talked, a couple of couple of weeks ago, we talked about making our best composite white cats oh, player. Yeah. Like, yeah. whose arms, heads, body, butt would you have, and all that kind of stuff. But, but? I don't yeah. think we mentioned I don't think we mentioned Oh, Eric but. Hurtado's ass, because he's <laughs> hard to get off the ball. You kind of want that. Yeah, but I don't think we talked about that at the time, but we do. I think you would dream about it afterwards. <laughs> well, I'm dreaming about this. I don't know if anyone knows the Scottish player Pat Nevin. He's a football pundit now. If I had a cricket sound, I would be able to make mm. it. <laughs> anyway, this is the Tractors with a song called Pat Nevin's Eyes. Here he is on my screen. Is he Davey Hamster? My Jimmy Bridget in the sun. It's in the stars. Right to my back with a big cigar. You got the truth, but got no lies. The answer lies in Pat Nevin's eyes. No pad, it's too sweet by far I hear a key stash, a courtesy car You got the plane home, but I'm your way Cause there's no place like home, like the back cave You got the shoes, you got the lies We ask for lies, the pad never dies Oh yeah Oh yeah, 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 yeah Oh yeah Oh yeah, 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 yeah Oh yeah Likes to think the fire ends to come back And it's not just a brain that it lacks Treat sex like him attacking the fence But too hard to spend the taste in all sense Got the truth and got the lies The answer lies and Pat never dies Upside right, upside down All he gets all the attention is just a cut Whilst he shows a few nice touches on a pan Me and the boys think he's a cut and Scottish nut Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. In this part of the show, this final part of the show, we are going to do our headlines, of course, but I want to talk a little bit, just very quickly, uh, uh, about the college scene in BC. <laughs> Not been a great couple of days for BC teams. We did host the U Sports Nationals here, though, up at UBC, and that was fantastic four days. It really enjoyed commentating on that. Brought Some, to you by AFTN. It was. Some great football. Some great players, actually, that we'll come to in a sec. Won by Montreal Carabines for the, the first time they have ever won the U Sports title. 
Speaking of first, it's the first time that the Cape Breton side lost in two years. Yes, one defeat in two years. Absolutely incredible stuff. Four Scots in that team, though. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Well, they're from Cape Breton. Actually, ten of their starting. They're from lineup. New Scotland. Yeah, ten of their starting lineup were from Europe. Two Germans as well. Oscar Seidner. Mm-hmm. UBC lost in their first match. It was a huge shock. Went down to Carrollton, the Ontario University, three-two after extra time. Absolutely gutting. The next night, Trinity Western University lost in extra time. But to get to extra time, they did score a stoppage time equaliser from Vigili Bukas. Yeah. What goal of the tournament. If you haven't done that, check out my Twitter because that was a bicycle kick from a centre-back that was just sublime. So happy for them, for him. Unfortunately, he didn't end well, though. No. Yeah. Saturday, oh, he tore his hamstring a few minutes later, possibly from overstretching doing a bicycle kick. Who knows? SFU clan on Saturday going into the NCAA playoffs as the number one ranked team in the West. One and done to a golden goal extra time. Wait, what? Someone still uses golden goal? NCAA uses golden goal. Cal Poly had one shot and they scored from it. And that was it. End of the season for SFU clan. Small down America. I was going to go down for that. Well, the thing is with them is you're number one seed, but you're not playing at home. No, you have and to play always, in Seattle because they, they that's can't host here. They've actually, I think they played in California as a number yes. one seed before. Where did they play? Yeah. Whatcom? Where did they play? Well, oh. th- this time they played at Interbay Stadium, Seattle Pacific. And the last college thing I have to talk about was in the CCAA, which is like the lower schools, Langara College. We're oh, yeah. On this is the best story of them all. Well, not if you're a Langara well, College sorry, player yeah. or supporter. This is the most interesting story of them Which all. Which I think it sounded like college for UBC. Yeah, I, I may have just spoiled the outcome of this by just saying that. But, but the Sher- story's, story's still worth yeah. listening to. Sheridan, 1-0 up into the second half, get a player sent off. Get a second player sent off. Get a third player sent off. Still 1-0. Still 1-0. Langara pummeling them. Get a late equaliser. <laughs> Sheridan get a fourth player sent off. One more player and the game gets abandoned. Which for those maybe who don't know all the rules of the game, seven is the minimum number of players you can have on the pitch. But you only need seven players sometimes. (laughs) Because Sheridan scored time winner to take them through with their seven men. As a coach, I don't even know what you say to your team after that. Because they ended with 11, right? 11 v 7 and the 11 lost. Uh, also, if you know any Langara players, uh, tell them to them. turn off the podcast after uh, part four because <laughs> you don't want to hear this. Part. Don't want to remind of that ever. <laughs> I feel ba- I feel bad for yeah, that. Yeah, that I don't know. How you even pick yourself up after that, man. It's just give up. <laughs> <laughs> just retire. Yeah, hang up the this boots. This is why I don't coach. <laughs> right, all you eleven guys, you're out my squad. And your scholarships, they're out the window too. Scholarships? I don't think you have scholarships in Langara. I don't know. I don't know how college works over here. Obviously, it works well in Cape Breton because you're bringing over 10 guys from Europe, so something works good. But it is the U Sports draft that took place on Sunday. It's been announced it's taking place on Monday, but it actually did take place tonight. What? It's done? A little bit early. It's done. It's not going to get announced to probably Monday, maybe Tuesday, but... Draft is done. Looking did they announce it? The, it's a closed the, doors draft. It? I know, but did they announce it was done? Or? No, I just learned that. Today. Okay. <laughs> How many players do each get? That I don't even know. It's oh. a snake draft. That, Up that, and down? No, they, yeah, that means the first, uh, the, like the last yeah. team gets also first known as the Terry pick Dunfield in the second draft. Yeah. What? Also known as the Terry Dunfield draft. 
But it goes one to seven. And then seven then to seven one. Then seven to one, yeah. and then one to seven, seven to one. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, just quickly explain the college draft. It's the first time ever. For... <laughs> explain Terry Dunfield. <laughs> <laughs> I did explain. Someone DM'd me about that and go, can you tell me what all this is about Terry Dunfield? I, I, I did explain. Oh, okay. the garter? The garter snake? Yeah, and then he replied with some stories of his own. <laughs> But the U-Sports draft, the way it's going to work, any graduating players will get drafted to teams and they'll earn professional contracts if they make the grade. Guys that are in their first to fourth year still of eligibility will get drafted on a developmental deal. Then on August 15th, so one to two months before the Canadian CPL season finishes, they'll return to their college teams and well, then play the fall college season. But well, I think they might have. I'm assuming they would have the option to sign a full contract as well. Oh, they could. Yeah, they could yes. leave the college so they, system altogether. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But most of them will return back to their college teams, and then they'll be eligible for next year's draft, but not necessarily for the same team. Okay. Some strange stuff. Yeah. Something I learned this weekend as well. It's not obviously we knew the draft wasn't just open to Canadian players, but any foreign player that is picked in the draft that still has college eligibility will count as a domestic until he graduates from college. So Scots, German players will get classed as domestics. Like, okay, yeah. Interesting. So it, it just opens up more doors, especially for a club like Halifax, the Wanderers, because yeah. Cape Breton's squad, 12 of their 23-man squad are from overseas. And it's the most talented players as well. So you have to feel a big bulk of that caper squad is going to end up as Halifax players. Developing the Canadian player pool. Yes. <laughs> Who cares where they're from? It's making the league stronger. That's all that matters. Well, maybe they'll get citizenship and they can play for Canada. But that's, uh, I, well, yeah. I, I say that jokingly, but it, it, Michael, it isn't all that matters when you say you're all about ca- developing Canadian players. I did get a chance to speak to John Herdman on the same conference call just about his thoughts on the draft and some very interesting comments from, from Herdy. Changing the topic kind of dramatically, but John, I know you've spoken a lot about the the CPL over the past and the importance that it can mean to the future of the programme. The first ever CPL draft in U Sports is coming up on Monday. Just keen to to get your thoughts on what that's going to mean to the development of the game here. Yeah, I mean, I had a, a chance yesterday to connect with uh, the CPL coaches. In Vancouver, um, with, with some of the, the, the key CPL leaders, and we had a good chance to sit down and chat about the future, sharing vision, ideas, philosophies. So, you know, I think the big take on on the draft and is we're, we're connecting our country. You know, we're connecting our country in ways that we've never done before, and you know that's what really came out of the, the meeting yesterday. There's there's a genuine opportunity through the leaders that sat in that room to lead in a way that we can really harmonise the, the the player development process. We can harmonise the the pathways and and we can expand them because of CPL and and the fact they're bringing something on a more regional level um, that that can really align into all of these universities. So I think it, it's it's just exciting. It's exciting to see that, you know, we are starting to connect our game at the right time. It's it's almost serendipitous that, you know, people have had the same sort of thoughts at the same time to, to bring our game together because, you know, with 2026 around the corner, 
you would hope that these things are starting to, you know, bear fruit um, in and around that period when, you know, we're starting to recruit players in 2024. You know, some players may have come through a draft into pro football, then into the national team. I mean, these these are, you know, how we're seeing a, a longer-term vision for this game, that, you know, we know that the, the path to professional football is very non-linear. Um, and you're having these springboards like university uh, and the connection, like formal connections into pro football is going to make a big difference for us. And it, and it might even stop a drain, you know, from, you know, our players going into the USA. Yeah. We may be able to strengthen those leagues, you know, where players are prepared to stay more in Canada because they can see a direct line into professional football with with more opportunities. So... I just think it's a it's a really exciting and innovative uh, concept that that again just ties another thread together in our game. John Herdman there talking about the U Sports draft. Looking forward to seeing who gets picked. A couple of really good guys that were on display this weekend. Canadian guy Gabriel Bitar. He is going to go in the first round. Carrollton forward. He, he's got it all. He can score. His movements phenomenal, and he's a dirty bastard. He's got a little bit of physicality to him. Leads with the elbow, goes down when he gets a little touch in the back. All-round player, as far as I'm concerned. Do you see someone like Caleb Clark going in this? If he's interested. Okay. There is an option I've heard that Caleb, Germany, might be back on the cards for oh, him. Oh, that would be great for him. He was over there again recently. so Alfonso clearly put a good word for him. Tommy Gardner <laughs> is expected to go in the first round, and I'll, I'll be amazed if he doesn't land a, at Pacific FC. And there's another guy. He was the... Tournament MVP in the Nationals for Montreal, Frédéric Lajoie-Gravel. I've been practicing these French pronunciations. Magnifique. He's fantastic. He's got the best facial hair of any footballer you've seen recently. He's got one of those funny little Salvador Dali moustaches. He was with Montreal Impact and had a bad experience with Montreal. What? Um, decided to what? go. Decided to quit the pro game he and didn't... go back to college to finish his Masters. He didn't like being paid in no. cheese? The Montreal head coach told me that he's finishing his soccer career. So I spoke to him after the match today and I was like, you're too good to, to give this up. And he's like, well, who knows? If I get a good offer, maybe a beautiful city like Vancouver could tempt me to come. So I'm going to have a word with Mark DeSantos because this guy is quality. What position? He's a striker. He is phenomenal. I need to see what he did with Montreal, but in the college game, he he set all the records in RSEQ this, this year as well. So Mark, give him a call. But now, it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your one-stop site for news, reviews, links, stories, articles, features, everything you could want, even classifieds. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your beautiful eyes on the site this week, Steve? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Um, a few things. Um, like uh, pools of a lake. <laughs> I don't have blue eyes. No, it's like one of those kind Are you talking of about like, the Ganges, the brown eyes? The brown eyes. I'm not going there. Okay. Um, let's go uh, with a couple follow-ups. Oh, I actually want follow-up. European Super League would threaten football's future, says a group of 900 clubs. Um, 900 yeah it's association of European leagues that has condemned the idea Um, they're basically their group representing more than 900 clubs in 25 countries across Europe 
and they feel like um, it would strongly oppose the creation of any closed and franchise-style Super League, and they would have serious and lasting implications for the long-term sustainability of professional football. So what they're saying is... It's no good. But the whole closed-door thing's ridiculous. Well, yeah. They're basically saying, look, you're going to be taking away too much of the money. Yeah. And as I said last week, any Mickey Mouse league that does not allow promotion and relegation, stop it. Um, Unsanction them. Uh, yeah, the uh, the one thing uh, for me, like I'm old school. I wish, uh, Michael, I, I don't know about you. I wish there was like the Champions League was. Oh yeah, um, oh only champions, and I, w- <laughs> and I wish, and I wish I think, that I, I miss. I'm just laughing at the next story. I forgot I'd seen that <laughs> earlier in the week. It's a good picture, um, and I wish there was a couple. Like I missed the Cup Winners Cup. Oh, right. Well. The- See, this is me in my old curmudgeonly way. European football meant something. Yeah. You had to be a champion. Yeah, to have won a cup. To be in the European Cup. Yeah. You had to be a cup winner. To be in the Cup Winners Cup. And then you... Hey, I finished fourth or fifth in my league and and I was like 25 points adrift. And then you have the UEFA Cup, now the Europa Liga, for all the other teams. Yeah. 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 Looks like it's not going to... Farcical. Whatever. Uh, Next story... um, Okay, this is what you were laughing at. <laughs> I know, I'll read I, the headline. Just, we need visuals for I'll, this. I'll read the headline and everybody can, you know, every, I think everybody's seen the picture. Or you yes. can definitely, uh, so um, just just tweet out Mo Salah statue and you'll see what we're talking about. Mo uh, Salah statue in Europe, sorry, Salah statue in Egypt criticized for poor resemblance. And they're not mistaken. No. This to, is To be this. fair, though, Art Garfunkel did tweet out, thanks so much for the honor of the statue, guys. He Stephen looked, Lenhart was like, wow, I didn't know I was so big <laughs> down there in, in, in Egypt. Egypt. It looks like a character, like if he, if it's they made him. It's an animated mo- car- car- character, yeah. yeah. If they made him a, like a, if he was a, a, a character in a child's animated movie. Yeah. That's what Mo Salah might look like. He also looks like like a video game character from one of Ooh, those an like, avatar, like War of World, not World. Well, you know, one of those. Like, uh, what was the games? A Kingdom of something, or I don't know. I just finally saw Ready Player One. Oh, I never watched that. Oh, you should watch it, Steve. You would you would like it. Have you seen it? No. Oh, no, very. I, no idea what you're even talking about. I, Spielberg. They, they did reach out to Mo Salah for a comment on the statue. They didn't hear back though. It's just just a sound of silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael. So, uh, next story, Russia says they thwarted drone attacks at the World Cup. Um, essentially, they took measures to detect and foil attempts by terrorists using drones during the preparation and hosting of uh, political and sporting events, most dur- during the World Cup itself. They said seven nationalist hooligan gangs were stopped from attacking foreign fans. Uh, they were targeting English, Senegalese, Argentinian, and Polish supporters. Of course... Um, they weren't able to stop the four Pussy Riot protesters from running onto the field during the final. So they were able to do all this stuff, but yes. couldn't stop people Dr- from getting out of the field. Policemen. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. So, love, love me a bit of pussy. Um, and, well, and then they poisoned one of the people that are in Germany, apparently still recovering, one of the protesters. Um, Wait, say that again? The, one of the uh, protesters uh, uh, that were arrested uh, went ill. And they were they took them to Germany to get them uh, well up, and the German doctors are saying that the party was poisoned. Oh. Yeah. Uh, next story: uh, Keeping it in the family. Swiss prosecutors probe Infantino's links to Swiss judiciary. Essentially, this is a story about Infantino, FIFA president, who's got a, a kind of a connection uh, with Swiss Attorney General Michael Lauber, uh, who's been investigating. 
alleged corruption in FIFA mm-hmm. since 2015. Um, the, it, the, there's apparently been secret meetings. Um, and then also, Lobbers apparently suspended his chief investigator for the economic crimes, Olivier Thorman, who's uh, uh, was included uh, is part of his stuff was including proceedings related to football and FIFA investigations. Um, they're not exactly. It's unclear why he was released or why they were. They were apparently put charges against him too. Steve, I don't know what you're talking about because. I know FIFA, and they would never have a have secret no. meetings. No, but the thing is, the, the, I think it, someone just, ate someone's lint chocolate, and they were just <laughs> pissed off by it all. But it just kind of shows that you yeah, know they they got rid of bladder, but I it doesn't know, seem anything's like, hey, gotten better. It's the new, yeah. new thing, no more corruption. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Uh, you talking more things change, the more th- things stay the same. Yeah, you were talking about that's like white caps. That's the, the, the motto of the white caps front office. I know. I've mentioned yeah. this twice so far today. Sorry, right. I even call this episode this. Let's sorry, go, for, sorry go. for interrupting you three I, times. I, I thought sorry, they were going to use "Let's go get them." Oh yeah, yeah. or uh, at and up and at them. Yeah, that one that works too. Uh, Paris Saint Germain admits to racially profiling young players. Scouts were asked to list youngsters, uh, whether they were French, North African, West Indian, or. or um, just regular African, um, allegedly in order to limit uh, black recruits from uh, uh, getting into the team, um, apparently to the Football League's dossier. <laughs> I think we lost these guys. Why is a regular African? <laughs> no, I'm just meant, I don't know why, why I wrote it down twice, so that's why I'm wondering what happened there. Well, there's North African, there's Central African. There's nothing more I can do. <laughs> I gotta wait for these guys to stop laughing. Oh, I'm tired. I've been out. Oh. North African, I think, by the what what they mean by uh, just to clear up what they mean by North African is um, uh, Egypt, Morocco. Oh, we, yeah, we, <laughs> we know our geography. It's yeah, close to Qatar. I just I just took the notes from what it said. Okay, we we understand. So, pretty serious story, guys. Yeah, Zach's gone. Calm down. Uh, practice was carried out between 2013 to spring of this year. Club's management says they were not aware of it, and it was done in secret. Um, it also follows up on a 2011 when there was talks, um, secret talks, by the French Football Federation, including the national coach Laurent LeBlanc, uh, to limit the number of black and North African players in its youth scheme. So, um, yeah, pretty damning things against Paris Germain, who, who also yeah. have uh, the f- financial fair play issues, too, from uh, last week. Well, I mean, the stuff that's come out in this football leaks, it's stuff you always thought is going on in the world of football. Yeah. But then when you're seeing it, you're not surprised. But in some regards, you are surprised because you're like, wow, just they, they're getting away with this and it's never come. No one's exposed it before. That's the, like the crazy thing. And... West Ham got into trouble for like profiling different players and some comments that were made from certain scouts that that got let go and and stuff and some insults they made about I think black players and it was African players. Yeah, they were very disparaging against them. So I'm pretty sure it goes on a lot in in world football. Steve, so just to be clear, the differences between North African and African is 
like the the North Af- African countries you mentioned, they were not profiling against those players, but more other Africans. No, no, they were profiling against North, against Afri- North Africans as well. They just wanted to okay. they wanted to split people on lists, basically. Okay. Even the West Indies, the um, uh, Martinique, and the, those kind of countries that they have connections to, they mm-hmm. were they just wanted everybody in lists so they can pick and choose who they want to get and how many players come from each group area. See, in some ways, like no fully defending it but if you look at MLS you've got your international roster spots so in some ways you're kind but, of profiling that but you're not way. profiling race you're profiling, no, you're profiling somebody yeah you're profiling or continent it could yeah, be probably, anybody yeah. you could have like 10 African players you could have 10 Latino players you could have a mixture of all 10 that. Mustafa Jarjus yeah exactly so so um so it's a pretty serious story though obviously what they'll see and more stuff is obviously going to come out of football leaks yeah. uh it just seems like the tip of the iceberg it, yeah. it's, it's one of those things you don't want to hear it but you can't wait to see what the next big expose is going to be at the same time well and like what are, what are the what are the consequences other than just people uh, like people looking at people? oh the French government has a very strict uh, legal Oh, okay. uh, basically laws against this kind of stuff so so there can be criminal proceedings against people oh wow yeah so okay. they, they are being investigated at this point wow um uh coming a little bit closer to home north america obviously there was election tuesday um it made a difference in actually mls uh, news as well uh miami voters okayed path for beckham stadium um city is now allowed to negotiate a deal with the club it's not a done deal but it's getting closer uh they're in negotiations but there are going to be a couple of Temp stadiums, one of them being a baseball one, uh, when they start playing in 2020 because they don't think they're going to get this stadium done by then. Honestly, this is like what? Stadium <sighs> stadium option four? Five? Miami should not have been given an expansion thing. So at the time, nothing's happened in the subsequent months, years that's maybe changed my mind about it. Well, except for the fact that a lot of players say they want to play there. Yeah. Because it's Miami. And exactly. It's hot and it's nice and... And it's closer to Europe, too. It's a quick trip to Spain uh, yeah. and Portugal and all the other places. Well, if you want to be close to Europe, get a team in Cape Breton. Yeah. Well, Halifax. Halifax Wanderers? Yeah. Cape Breton's closer, though. Oh, a little bit closer. I, I learned that. I had no idea where Cape Breton was before I started doing the Nationals. It's four hours, 15 minutes drive from Halifax. One city that didn't get uh, good news when it came to voting uh, for a new stadium was the MLS expansion mm. team or bid in, in San Diego. Yeah, they so look screwed now. They didn't get any help from the Lego uh, contingent either. Um, essentially, it was Landon Donovan and Soccer City's uh, bid to build the stadium. Only got about 29% approval. Wait, Landon Donovan's involved in that Oh, one? apparently yeah. he was a part of that. It makes me feel... There's, there's a lot of people. San Diego's like, pretty close to Mexico. Names. It makes me yeah. feel less bad about them not doing well. So, no. is, that, is that terrible? No, no, but Landon Donovan, remember, it, San Diego is pretty close to Mexico. And he oh, is no, Mexican, I, remember. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but I'm not a huge fan of Lady Cakes. And so I don't, if, I, I kind of was interested to see what could happen in San Diego, but with him being involved, I don't feel as disappointed that they're not. And th- there's so many fans go down from San Diego down to Tijuana yeah. for, for the football there. And it's. Chulos? If, how do you say it? Zolos? Zolos, yeah. I think. You're X-O-L-O-S. You're asking me how to pronounce Mexican stuff. The Tijuana side. Yeah. I've been to Tijuana. I've never been. Oh, I need to, I've got to show you a picture of me on an ass. It's fantastic. I've got a big sombrero on as well. Well, I went down to San Diego, and I do think it's a, a brilliant city. 
And, I love and, San Diego. And it's a perfect weather and everything all the time, it seems like there. So. I've never been to the city. I've only been to Carlsbad at Legoland. Oh, that, that's really, yeah, obviously. There's a Legoland? North of the city. That's yeah. why I said the Lego continued. Oh, now. yeah, I didn't understand that. Okay. Speaking of Mexico, uh, they have kind of, uh, they're, they're investigating some possible collusion in soccer signings. There isn't very much information on this. It wasn't released in any of the articles. I, I even looked at other articles. They're basically saying there's monopolistic practices in the signing of soccer players in the country. They're looking at possible contracts, agreements, arrangements, or collusion between competing, competing economic agents. I don't know. They didn't specify any of this, so it's hard to see what's going on. And they're saying that, mm. and it did not also name any of the teams or people that are under investigation. And I didn't put this in the in the run the the write up, but uh, they were saying that it could be up to ten years of jail time if some of wow. this stuff is proven. So it's pretty serious. That's a big probe. USL uh, ch- title was won this week, uh, mm. and it wasn't Didi Dogba. No, Louisville won its second straight. Uh, Luke Spencer scored in the sixty second minute. And afterwards, uh, next day, Didier Rogba actually said he might not retire just yet. Uh-huh. Might stick around. I was a tad baffled, though, why they had it on a Thursday night. It clashed with, they wouldn't have known this at the time, but it clashed with the, with the car the show Cascadia in Seattle. thing. Yeah. yeah, the car show. But I think and it was... NFL Thursday night football. And it just I, seemed... I agree with the uh, football part, but it was in Louisville, so it was in the east, uh, east mm. side. So obviously, there the, might have been over by the time they played that. Because I don't think it went to extra time. Yeah, it was just over one mm. nothing. yeah. Uh, some news in Canada, uh, Montreal Impact and Adam Braze has, uh, Braz, sorry, has part ways from mutual decision. Book it now, he's coming as the assistant to Mark DeSantis. There's not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think so? Some folk might be spitting mad, I believe, if he, he was to come here. It, it did the mention. Wrong, wrong guy, but it, yeah. It did mention that he will remain. Spitzelito. Um, it did mention that he will remain with the club until mid-December, which tells me that they they can't release him because he's got information about Montreal. So he, they're not gonna they're gonna wait till all those drafts are done, and then they'll mm-hmm. allow him to go to another team. So who knows where that's? going I to can't be. see Adam Braz going anywhere. Adam Braz did play with uh, under Mark DeSantos mm-hmm. for one or two years. I can't remember. Well, he also had a time at TFC. That doesn't mean he's going to go to Toronto. No, no, like, it's true. Hey, but I'm just said he might bring an assistant in with MLS experience. Oh. It, it it was mentioned that uh, like like I said, it was mutual. Uh, like a party go ways too. My last discussion with Adam Braz went well, but that's because it was <laughs> it was in the tunnel in, my, in Montreal, and it, yeah, he was very nice. But 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 back in the day at Swangard, he was uh oh yeah yes he was also a testy uh, individual. <laughs> also Toronto FC the expansion draft the dates were announced. I don't remember the dates right yeah. now. But uh, Toronto FC are exempt as lo- as well as Seattle Sporting San Jose and Columbus. They will not be part of the expansion draft because they had somebody pick last year. So, which, which would be good, like if we lose someone this year, for example, Spencer Ritchie, and then we I don't was, lose a player next Juarez. year. <laughs> no one is going to take Juarez. Okay, last bit of news: uh, Canadian Soccer Association hires Stuart Neely as manager of coach education. He's um, been serving a, fr- as a friend of the show for UBC as well for a little bit this year. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, he's going to be reporting to Director of Development Jason DeVos uh, and will be responsible for day-to-day operations of the coach education system in collaboration with provincial and territorial member associations. I don't know Stu as a, Stuart as a coach, like a coach, like I've never sit down and sat in on a session or whatever, but all my encounters with him have been like really positive and he, like really open and uh, I've yeah. always, always been really impressed we- with... Great guy. Kind of we his had approach. really, I think when he was part of the Whitecaps, we had that one fantastic chat with him mm-hmm. in, in uh, Newton Park. 
And he, he really revealed quite a bit of stuff there. But I, I, I do feel the thing that's going to help Canadian soccer, especially coaches, is more Scottish involvement. So very happy with that. I'm available. Call me. Anyway, that is it for this week's episode of the show. About time. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. It's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the Movement Curva Collective. I'm Michael McCoy. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer, and on Facebook at AFTN Canada. And hopefully you'll be able to find this episode on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. There <laughs> is it, an issue still was with Was just people. too long? No, it's, no. it's people with Apple products. For whatever the reason was, the episode won't download if you're using Safari, if you're an iPhone. Um it's not really like it wasn't Safari so goody, it was Safari so crappy. Did, did it hurt downloads last week or how did that? No, we had our best downloaded episode. Oh. I don't know if it was folks trying to download it 10 times. <laughs> but yeah, we, our numbers were it, through the roof. Yeah, you could download it, it just wouldn't play. It would, it yeah. would skip to the next episode right away. Well, initially, just, folks were downloading it, it was only downloading 27 minutes. Right, I got well, that. Yeah. I got that part. Then but we uploaded it, it and then just folks couldn't play it at all. I am going to put this episode up again on SoundCloud so folk that we can, can hopefully hear it. But if you can use Google Chrome or Firefox, it seems to work. Or for the site. For yeah. On the site as yeah. well to stream it. But anyway, thank you for listening to our nonsense once again. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. We will be back next week. We've got a couple of really good shows lined up for the, the next couple of weeks as well. Lots of good interviews and things to come. And until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.